BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. You always sound so happy in the morning, Catherine. How do you do it? Coffee. She says coffee. She doesn't make any coffee for anybody else. She's got her own secret stash of the good stuff. Yeah, she's got her own stash of brown, and she doesn't dish it out. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's just dawned on me, it's Thursday, and that means tomorrow's Friday. That means the day after that is the weekend. How cool is that? We're nearly through the first complete week of January 2013. I had an argument with someone the other day. It's not 2013, it's 2013. No, it's 2013. That's how I would say the year. Anyway, let's not go down that route, shall we? Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... BBC Three Counties investigation reveals how many taxi drivers have been attacked in the last year. Also, we're discussing supermarket rage on the show this morning. No, not a new reality TV show hosted by Adele Winton. It's an actual thing. Find out why a Hertfordshire woman wants mobile phones banned from all stores. And career changes. One of us think about it every day. Have you changed your job in later life? I nearly did four years ago. I nearly jacked this nonsense in and became a primary school teacher. Have you considered it? Lots of ways to get in touch. If, if I'm honest, you were a little bit quiet on the phones yesterday. Until about eight o'clock, the last hour, the phones went mental. Which is great, but it means that we can't get you all on. We had a load of people that had phoned up about 20 to 9, and we, we couldn't squeeze them into the show. So if you're thinking you want to take part, may I suggest earlier is better than later? Huh? Lots of ways. You can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can tweet as well. You can either tweet at Ian Lee or at BBC3CR. Big Mac Stark has already tweeted. People walking along with mobile phones, should they be banned? His reply is, no. Thanks for that, Big Mac. Or you can give us a call and all of the lines are free. So now is an excellent time to call me. 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just allow me to go off on a slight tangent, if you wouldn't mind. Paula Hamilton has been kicked out of the Big Brother house. I know. Why do you... Listen, I, I, and I do like Big Brother. It's, it's my kind of dirty little secret. Well, it's not, actually. I've, I've got a proper dirty little secret, but that's one of them. Steady. Uh, but why... The, the British public, why do you always get rid of the bonkers, argumentative people first? Don't you understand what makes good television? Good television is people who've been in rehab and are still completely bonkers. And we'll d- 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 snap. Uh, the, the, you did it last series with Jasmine. I know, who's she? Doesn't matter. You've done it this series with Paula Hamilton. You should have got rid of Dottori. He's boring. Yeah, he's a tiny man that can jump off horses. So what? What has he contributed to the Big Brother house? Always happy to talk, Big Brother, if you want to. 08459 455 555. On a slightly more serious note... We're following this story all this morning. A BBC Three Counties investigation has found that there were over 200 attacks on taxi drivers in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire last year. Nearly half of those were racially or religiously aggravated. Uh, Modassa Yassin was attacked by a drug addict with a screwdriver and had his takings stolen. He told our reporter, Matt Lockwood, how the attack affected him. Once we get there, you know, he's just pointing, oh, go this way, go that way. And, you know, I've, I've already got in my mind that he wants to do maybe a runner or something but I didn't have in my mind that he's going to grab me or anything like that yeah when we get to where he said stop 
yeah, he just grabbed me. So he goes to me, I've got a sharp object. Uh, I, I, I could feel something, didn't know whether it was a knife or not. Later on, they told me it was a screwdriver, but uh, at that time, yeah, it felt like it was a knife. And the immediate minutes after the attack, I mean, how did you feel? You must have been, you know, badly shaken up and you never thought that when you went out to pick up this man this would happen to you when someone attacks you they can't like just leave you then run away but this guy got out of the car he apologized and then he kind of like didn't run away but walked away and you know i, I was just in shock and I, I saw him all the way until i couldn't you know couldn't see him anymore when he went around the corner of the alleyway but um yeah i was just in complete shock i just couldn't move um uh, when I did come back to my senses a couple of minutes later, I, I really didn't know what to do, you know. And first thing I did was ring one of my friends just to see, you know, what, what should I do? Just tell us about the counselling and some of the flashbacks that you suffered. It took me a little while to come to terms with it. I picked up young lads, 17, 18-year-olds, and they're sitting in the car and, you know, they'll they be doing normal things like your own friends would, like, you know, messing about with each other in the back and stuff. And, you know, I, I just sometimes feel like as if they were going to do something to me and I've done crazy things like park in the middle of a uh, road and put the brakes on and tell them to get out and you know it's uh, later on I've had customers come back to the rank and actually apologize thinking it's their fault when actually it's my fault that I've done something to them and it's only when they've come back to me that I've realized I've done something that wasn't right on the weekend nights the police are pretty much centralized within the town center and trying to get them outside of that area is near enough impossible you know we've had drivers who've gone you know le less than a mile outside the town centre and you know they've rang the police and have been waiting there three four hours for, for the police to turn up so it, has, it is quite concerning those kind of things but yeah uh, at a certain time uh, when when the nighttime revelers are leaving the, uh, the nightclubs um, the police actually disappear um, which then causes problems for us because if there isn't a police presence then it's leaving it to us to decide uh, how we you know um, pick these customers up even regardless how abusive they are to us um, you know, we've had incidents in the town centre which has led to um, the increasing of the hours for the marshals. Um, previously, they only were here till 3 o'clock, now they're here till 3.30, where we had an incident uh, around about 3.30 where uh, a customer's uh, trying to get into a vehicle um, and the um, he's actually jumped the queue and when the cab drivers had a word with him about it, he's actually assaulted the driver. So, you know, we have incidents like that happen where, we, you know, it would be nice for the police to show a bit more uh, of a presence. Well, so reporter Matt Lockwood talking to Mudassa Yassin. I guess the question is for you taxi drivers that are listening, and I know we get a lot of taxi drivers listening to this, have you ever been threatened or felt threatened by a passenger? 200 in beds and hearts over the last year, attacks. That seems quite a lot. That seems an incredible amount. Taxi drivers, have you been threatened? Have you felt threatened? Have you felt uncomfortable in your own cabs? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can hear more on this story on Chet and Patak Show at Sunday six o'clock. But let's talk about it now. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you're a taxi driver, have you ever been threatened or felt threatened? What's happened to you? How common is this? Speak to you after this. Oh look, it's him. David Bowie's back, is he? Oh, I see. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. In a minute, we've got a cracking report coming up in a few minutes. Oh, a woman who wants mobile phones banned from supermarkets. It sounds a little bit crazy, right? It sounds a bit, what? Mobile phones banned from supermarkets? Is she stupid? But when you hear her reasoning, it kind of makes sense. 
We'll, we'll tell you more in a little bit. Keep listening. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. New Rep fans. Morning at 6.15. Right, so picture the scene, okay? You're walking around the supermarket and someone bashes into you with their trolley or their basket. It's enough her. It's happened to me. The trolley in the thigh. Oh, dear. No, thank you. And the reason it happens is because they're on their mobile phone. Yes? Oh, now you know what I'm talking about. Well, a Hertfordshire woman says she's fed up of it happening to her. She wants a blanket ban on using mobile phones in all supermarkets. She's been injured several times while she's been shopping. Well, our reporter and our 10 pence off Lenore correspondent, Justin Dealey, has been looking at this story. Good morning, Justin. Yes, good morning, Ian. That's me. That's me. Yeah, how are you doing this morning? You all right? Yes, absolutely fine. I have to say, I'm unfortunately one of those people, you know, very, very busy. If I'm in the supermarket, I'm often on my mobile oh. phone. And it can be distracting. It what are you doing be. on your phone? Because you're not on Twitter. You bet. I don't think you're on Facebook. You don't do. What, what are you doing on your it's phone? It's phone calls for, from people at the BBC saying, Can you do this for Ian Lee? He's gone swimming. <laughs> Would you mind doing that for him? Well, in that case, that's yes. acceptable <laughs> behaviour. But what, what's happened? What's the story of this woman? What's happened? Well, I've been talking to Debbie McArdle from Hemel Hempstead. Now, she's been injured twice in the same supermarket as well by people using mobile phones. Now, these incidents happened at the Tesco store at Jarman's Park in Hemel. I spoke to her yesterday, and this is what happened. So, Debbie, you've been injured twice. Uh, tell us what happened to you. The first time, whilst doing my shopping, um, a lady trying to just push past, wasn't in control of the trolley. She had the mobile phone in her ear and negotiating, pushing the trolley around an aisle with one hand and she hit me in the back of the ankles. I did tut and look around and I was met by a mouthful of abuse by that and I said to her, you could at least said sorry. Second time, it was in Tesco's in Jarman's Park. Just entering the store, just past the customer service desk, a lady with a toddler and a mobile phone in her ear. She didn't see me, of course, approach her from the back. She turned round and whipped the basket round and it connected with my right cheekbone. And how bad were those injuries? Uh, The painful one was actually the ankle area. The cheekbone one, my hand went up at the same time, so it just slightly connected. It could have been a lot worse, I feel. Spade, you're very angry. You want to see mobile phones in supermarkets banned, and you're not alone. You've had a sneaky look at the accident books. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I have. One of the um, customer service person that I spoke to, her daughter was hit in the head somebody using the mobile phone that has swung just the basket round, basically, and caught on the side of the head, not concentrating what they're doing, why they are shopping, because they're so engrossed in the conversations. Basically, they've got no concept of what's going on in their immediate area. That's the problem. What would you say to anybody listening to this who says, oh, come on, Debbie, there's more important things to worry about than mobile phones in supermarkets. We all have busy lives. What's the problem? Right, okay, this is a bit of a toughie because it feels like I'm sort of saying that you can't use your mobile phones. Just switch them off when you're doing your shopping because you really are not in control of a conversation and pushing a basket or what's in your immediate area. There's people getting hurt out there 
and I really hope it doesn't happen to you. Well, there'll be more from Debbie. I'm going to speak to her live after seven o'clock. It, uh, I, I I'm on her side, Justin, yeah. although her last line, there's people getting hurt out there. It does sound like some kind of American police drama, but I think, yes, if you're in the supermarket and you're pushing a trolley or you've got a basket that's full of stuff, those are dangerous weapons. She makes uh, a very good point, and nearly everyone that I spoke to yesterday, Ian, well, they actually agree with yourself and Debbie. They would like to see a ban on mobile phones in supermarkets markets because they say it's dangerous some people would say something's got to be done before people are seriously injured and for some sadly that's already happened the first person that i spoke to in hemel yesterday was laura and she was injured because somebody like debbie was saying was using a mobile phone whilst pushing a trolley take a listen to this well laura your shopping bags are just going into the back of a taxi yeah, right now fine. you were actually put into hospital because somebody Did went it? into with their trolley because they were on a mobile on phone Phone. Tell us what happened. I just swept the trolley and put on the back of my leg, back of my knee. I had to be taken to the A&E, you know, because I was I couldn't walk. I mean, I'm already disabled because I can't walk properly, as you can see, I've got mm. my stick because I've got a bad back. But it, it's just gone, you know. Shouted at me and gone. So your message would be, for goodness' sake, just take Get it easy because you've been into hospital. Oh, use your earpiece if you're going to walk and talk, you know. But uh, no, they don't. It's all this new touch thing. They're touching and talking, you know, and sending emails and everything else like that. And it's not right. If you never saw a mobile phone again, that wouldn't bother you, oh, would it? Oh, not the, the least, I tell you. Not the least. Justin, do you touch and talk? <laughs> yes, I do. I've heard that I do, story. Yes. I do. And you know what? When you hear those stories from Laura, yeah. who's been injured, yeah. when you hear those stories from Debbie, it does make you think. Because if you're on your phones, everything these days is about mobile phones. Yep. Not just about making calls, text messages, emails. You can do the lot. And if you're walking around the supermarket, you've got your head down, you've got your trolley with you, yep. you are going to go into somebody. There could be a serious accident. Right. So it, it start- when I heard this story yesterday, I kind of thought, well, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, it's, a bit, it's a bit of light fluff. But the more I look into this, the more I think, right, we're going to start a campaign, Dealey. Yeah. We're going to ban... <laughs> no, and this is going to happen. We are going to ban... We are going to find a shop that's going to ban mobile phones on our behalf. We're going to be very popular, aren't we? That's w- what we're going to do. certain sales reps who, you, who need to take calls all the time. Yeah, you know, those losers. Yes. Listen, if you run a shop, dear listener, will you, will you jump on board the BBC Three Counties ban mobile phones from your shop? campaign. We'll come up with a catchier title, Justin. We'll come up with a title, but um, two sides. I mean, other people, you'll hear from some some more people later on, but but two sides. People saying, yes, it's dangerous, ban them for that, but also people who, quite frankly, and they're being very honest about this, cannot be bothered to listen to other people's conversation about what happened during the lunch break and things like that. They have no interest. If they're doing their shopping, they are there to shop and not listen to boring conversations about what happened. You're right, and the conversations you get in the supermarket are either do you want the green milk or the blue milk? <laughs> or, I'll be home in 20 minutes. Yeah, people don't want to hear that. No. Justin, listen, excellent stuff as always. We'll speak to you later on. The campaign starts here. We've been looking for a campaign to get behind, and now we've found it. It may not be the biggest campaign in the world, but it counts. Let's ban mobile phones from supermarkets and shops. If you run a shop, are you prepared to jump on board? Will you come and join us? Brothers and sisters out there listening, uh, will you phone us up now? Oh eight four, not while you're in a shop. Oh eight four five nine or defeat the object. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you run a shop? Are you a manager? Do you own it? Will you join our campaign to ban mobile phones in shops? I would take it a step further. I'd, I'd ban them being used in the high street. 
You, we had a, a guy fed up a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, who was upset with the number of people that bump into him because they're looking down at their phones. They're touching and talking and walking. I would ban them. I would ban them on the street. Listen, you're in a supermarket. How long are you in a supermarket for? Five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour maybe if you're doing a big shop. You can go 30 minutes without updating your Facebook status, yeah? Or checking your emails, yeah? You can go that long without it. It starts here, dear listener. It starts here. We are going to get a campaign to find some shops that will ban mobile phones in them. If you're a shopkeeper, be brave, be bold, take the first step. If you step forward, others will follow. I guarantee it. I don't actually guarantee it. 08459 455 555. Or maybe... You think this is utter, utter tosh? And of course mobile phones shouldn't be banned from supermarkets. 08459 455 555. Is someone going to be cheeky enough to call me up from a supermarket this morning? Is that what, is that what you're going to do? Flicking two fingers at me by standing in the middle of Waitrose or Tesco's or Morrison's and making a phone call? And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Yeah, nice one, thanks. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Come back to Snooker, Ronnie O'Sullivan. I miss you. It's all these, like, 18-year-old pimply idiots. All these boys playing. I don't know who these boys are. I want O'Sullivan playing snooker. Come back, Ronnie. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up before seven, uh, seven o'clock, find out why market traders in Milton Keynes think their livelihoods could be at risk. And career changes. I once considered becoming a primary school teacher about four years ago. Took it very seriously. I went for an induction, went and spent a couple of days at a primary school, got really, really into it. Um, and then I got offered a, a well-paid job and found out my wife was pregnant. I thought, not yet. Not yet. One day, not yet. Have you ever considered changing career we'll hear why one in five of us think about it every day and mobile phones should they be banned in supermarkets oh eight four five nine four double five five double five you can go to facebook as well facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr i'm on there this morning and i'm in a feisty mood sparky i'm sparky today a little bit spunky and i'm ready to have an argument on the facebook page see you there in a minute Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, have a listen to this. See if you can, if you can guess what this is. Well, that's the sound of market traders in Milton Keynes protesting outside the council last night. They were saying, "Save our market." They say their livelihoods could be at risk if a proposed department store development gets to go ahead next month. In a presentation to the full council, the traders expressed their concerns about the Primark development at the centre, MK. Well, political reporter Paul Scoynes was there last night. Morning, Paul. Morning. Uh, wh- what is the Primark development? Well, it's uh, Milton Keynes Shopping Centre. It's a Grade 2 listed building, built in the 70s. Is it really? Yeah. It was I did not know that. Okay, that's interesting. A couple of years ago. Right. And um, part of it is a road through the centre, and that is the sort of slightly controversial aspect of this that has got the market traders and various heritage experts exercising. Uh, what the uh, developers want to do is um, block that in, if you like, and and underneath that bridge is the current market. Mm. They want to move the market about 200 metres uh, 
down the road towards the point if you uh, if you know milton Keynes, and uh, and 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 move that from that current site which has been there for 30 years so th- that's sort of what the proposals are why are the traders so concerned well they say that uh, the proposed site is going to be around 40 percent smaller they say it's going to have worse access than the current site they say that at the moment there is some weather protection you know it's under a bridge mm. um and they say that it will be invisible because at the moment as you walk through the city center you see the market yes but you can't see well not as visible not not to the same extent anyway uh, i think it's fair to say you can't see the where the, the proposed market site will be uh, they say as well because of the development they'll be trading next to a building site for three years Ouch. and that's going to really have an impact on market plus they say that the you know the, the size shrinkage by 40 percent means there'll be 40 percent less trade and uh, and that will be uh, you know significant in the impact and i spoke last night to chris lee who's a trader at the market and he said that the proposed changes could spell an end for them the market, like our market, has developed over decades, actually, 30 years. You can't just move it lock, stock and barrel and expect it to survive. It just won't. The size of the, the proposed new site is also a major concern. We've been told it will be 40% less size. 40% less size means 40% less trade. Obviously, the, the lack of visibility will be less trade as well. Less trade means we just go out of business. Some of us are only just surviving as it is. But, you know, we, live, we live from day to day and, and we, some of us make a living, some of us don't, but we carry on. But if we lose 40% either the size or, or trade, that's it, the end. What does uh, Centre MK say? Well, they say that they need to do this uh, development in order to remain competitive. They say they've got uh, increasing competition from around the region uh, and from beyond those regions as well, over towards Cambridgeshire and over towards Oxford. And also Westfield developments in London, they say, are really hitting their business. Whereas in the old days, Milton Keynes used to be a draw. They say it's not so much anymore. Now, the market traders completely dispute this. They say that the uh, figures that uh, for customers that the uh, Centre MK uh, team have put out is uh, completely wrong. They say have thousands of customers. It's usually uh, a little quieter during the week, they admit, mm. but at weekends they say it's very busy and they actually uh, claim that they do draw lots of customers to the Centre MK. So there seems to be a little bit of a, a conflict there. Um, and uh, you know the the concerns also come from the heritage bodies in Milton Keynes. We've mm. seen um, English Heritage already register some concerns about the development as well. Could a Primark really they make that much of a difference? It's Primark. It's well, a good store, but well, the, the Centre MK say they've done some research and they asked people if they'd like a Primark store in Milton Keynes. And and would you? Well, people said yes. Mm. I think people are all open to to, to choice, aren't yeah. they? A new Primark store did open uh, just down the road from uh, the city uh, centre in, in in the new MK1 development, mm. um, uh, which is just or is it MK2. Sorry, I've not been there, but it's it one of the new developments by the stadium, by the football stadium. I know. Yep. Uh, and and this would be a big store, though. This would be one of uh, Primark's flagship stores. Would be their second biggest store outside of London. So what the Centre MK says, they need something like that to bring new punters to the centre what the traders say though is well you know, it's a down market uh, sh- sh- these are their words yes. a down market uh, department store um, that is selling very similar goods to what you would get on the market so what they say is that you, they should be aiming for a more up market store I, you know not my words the words of the, the traders words of the traders of course when is the decision
decision being made? Well, it was supposed to be in January, but it's been postponed and will likely to be at the end of February now because the okay. uh, council wanted further time to consult on the matter as well. So we'll be expecting some decision towards the end of February. And no doubt you'll come in and tell us what happens. Paul Scoynes, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for the coffee as well. Hey, that's fine. Delicious. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Should we have a quick look at some of the front pages of the newspapers? We might as well, yes. Thank you, Paul. Right, let's have a look. The Independent um, reveals Tory plan for firms to run schools for profit. Controversial proposal blocked by Lib Dems, but is expected to appear in the 2015 uh, Conservative Manifesto. And then there's these incredible pictures that are in some of the papers, uh, with fires continuing to rage across much of eastern Australia. Remarkable pictures have emerged from Dun Alley, Tasmania, where five young children escaped a blaze by sheltering under a jetty with their grandparents for two and a half hours. It's incredible. The picture is all golden, which would imply that the fire is very, very close to them. Yet someone was still able to take photographs. Uh, you know, these children are terrified, right? There are five kids, really young. I mean, these, these ones look like, I don't know, one and three. Terrified. There's someone still there taking photographs. Not, not comforting the children, not holding them. This, this old woman's holding most of the children. So not, not holding the children, comfort. Don't worry, it's going to be all right. Stay there. Let me just get a pic. No, no, get closer to Grandma. That's it, we got it. Brilliant. We'll sell that to the Independent, shall we? Seems a bit weird, isn't it? Uh, the Times. Oh, I'm missing some of the papers there. Anyway, the Times. Um, millions are squandered as red tape chokes action. And uh, Claire Scott has won a battle to win compensation for her son, Charlie, who was born with... Uh, Charlie 14, who was born with cerebral palsy. NHS chiefs refused to admit negligence for 12 years after mistakes uh, by midwives. Uh, the Daily Mail. We throw away half our food. Yeah, I'm becoming more and more aware of the amount of food that I'm throwing away. <coughs> Supermarket deals and confusing sell-by dates mean families waste £480 a year on groceries. They never eat. Up to half the food we buy from supermarkets goes in the bin, despite much of it being perfectly edible, a report reveals today. I never trust the, uh, the best before dates. Except with coleslaw. Coleslaw is the only thing I'm particularly cautious about because years ago I had some coleslaw and it was fizzy. Yeah, and that's made me a little bit sensitive. But everything else... Why does cheese have a best before date? Cheese is mould. Anyway, so... What, the mould is going to get mouldy? You just cut the green bits off. Same with the bread. Just take the green bits out, for goodness sakes. Uh, Andrew Marr is hit by a stroke at the age of 53. I know, incredible. Uh, the Daily Express, snow chaos to cripple Britain. Um, and there's uh, Len Goodman on a bicycle. Um, what else we got? Uh, the Express. Jim, uh, Jim Davison, I'm no Jimmy. There we go. Let's get the latest weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Hello, a very good morning to you. I don't know if you want to hear from me today. I haven't got some very good news. I'm very mm. cold spell. Yeah, it's set to Go last on. well Let's into listen. next week. It's, it's just going to get colder, basically, with a good chance of something a little bit wintry at the weekend. And then that snow risk, yes, I've used the S word now, is going to even increase as we head into next week. So I'll do a run out of music. But, uh, but if I can, I'll just finish for the weekend. You just carry and on with the bad news, like... Elizabeth. Go on, don't you worry. <laughs> it does look like we are going to see some more wintry showers, though, mm, feeding dear. in from the east as we head um, through Saturday and indeed into Sunday as well. And as I said before, that snow risk is going to increase into next week keep an eye on the forecast of course by listening to three counties radio um, and we'll give you all the details thank you very much elizabeth always a pleasure never a chore
So, should they ban mobile phones in supermarkets? We're looking, we're looking for a shop owner who is prepared to come on board with our campaign. Is that you? Are you brave enough, sir? Or madam? Yeah, ladies own shops as well these days. Are you prepared to come on board, back our campaign, and say, yes, do you know what? Do you know what? Yes, we're going to ban mobile phones in our store. 08459 555 505. And what I don't want is I don't want some cocky young thing. I don't want you phoning up from the middle of Morrison's or Tesco or Sainsbury saying, yeah, I'm in a supermarket. I'm on my phone. What are you going to do about it, old man? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. I'm on there this morning. I'm feeling feisty and I'm arguing with you. Uh, I've said, yes, they should ban mobile phones in supermarkets and they should, you should be banned from walking with them. Tammy says, this seems to be a recurring theme for everything in this country now. Somebody doesn't like it, ban it. It's dangerous, Tammy. People are being injured. And Trudy says, at least they can't get run over in a supermarket. Should definitely look into fines for people walking across the road and texting. Touching and walking, isn't it? Yes. Oh dear. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Now, if you've been made redundant recently, which has happened to a lot of people, you may have had no choice but to change career. Or you might have considered it because you're just fed up with what you're doing. Well, research by the National Careers Service also shows that one in five of us think about it every day. Margaret Baskill-Burns set up Red Recruitment in Luton ten years ago. Morning, Margaret. Good morning, Ian. How, how true is this locally? Well, uh, I think the situation with the redundancies has made people rethink their careers and uh, job opportunities. So I think it's more apparent, certainly in the last five years, than it probably was previously. And do you think that there are people in, I, I, who are safe in their jobs who just kind of think, do you know what, I don't know if this is for me. I'd like to, I'd like to change and do something completely different. Yeah, I'd say over 50% at least of wow. people. Uh, we've all wandered into careers, guided by our peers or what was uh, current at that time, and then find five years down the road that it's not actually the career I want. But it, it's not forever, and you can change your career. And what age people are we talking about? Is it kind of people in their 20s who, you say, a few years into doing a career go, this isn't for me? Or is it people a bit older who think, I, I may have wasted my entire life doing this? I think on both cases. Right. Uh, and particularly with youngsters now that maybe not go to university and will go into jobs. Um, and in their mid-20s, they realise they don't want to be in an office or they don't want to be in construction... Um, so, yeah, they, will, they do come in, and they're more confident to change their roles than maybe somebody that has um, household bills, families to support. So it's a lot more difficult for more mature people if they've got a uh, family commitment. I looked, four years ago, I looked very seriously into jacking this nonsense in uh, and becoming a primary school teacher. And I went for the inductions, and I had meetings, and I had a couple of days in a primary school, and I was all set for it. And then two things happened. We found out that we're, we were going to have a baby, mm-hmm. uh, and I got offered a really, really well-paid job that was just ridiculous uh, to turn down. And it is, it's a big plunge, isn't it? Because quite often, if you are changing career, it's likely you're going to take a, a, a cut in pay as you sort of start at the beginning again, aren't you? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think I don't know any role that you'd suddenly get an increase. You've got, you've got to look into it, do the research, and say, can I afford to take this career change? That's why, actually, a lot of people in their mid-50s that decide to change careers um have got paid their mortgage off their children have moved on and they can afford to take that risk but you never see, would have to take a pay cut if you're going into a new career are there careers um that people are, are more keen to get out of um i think careers that off, uh, require shift work i right. think even though that's our society now most people don't want to work uh, weekends and be away from their families late nights so if maybe in retail 
the demand now is for people to work a lot longer um, hours during the week. Um, they'll, they'll try and come out of retail. Margaret, you set, you set up uh, uh, Red Recruitment ten years ago. Mm-hmm. What were you doing before that? I was in recruitment, right, but so that's you... not my original career. I was a secretary PA for a number of years, and then I went into HR, and I went into recruitment not until I was 29. So. And how, th- th- how did that happen? Um, I just got... I had an, an interest in the HR side. I mm. had had the opportunity to do some sales work as well during my career, and with the mixture of HR and sales, that's quite a nice mix for going into recruitment. If there's anybody listening to this who's, who's kind of just get, put, putting their tie on or getting into the car and thinking, oh, I've got, I've got to go to this job again, and they, they want to take the plunge, what's your advice, Margaret? Uh, absolutely. Do your research. With the, with the internet now, you can look into companies, you can see how much you'd get paid if you went into that career. You could check, see what courses it could uh, involve, and you could train. I mean, if you want to go from one role and maybe train to accountancy, there's lots of courses you can take. Look at it. Don't look back ten years later and regret you didn't even research or, or investigate the possibility. Margaret Baskerburn from uh, Red Recruitment in Luton. Thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Ever done it? Ever considered it? What do you reckon? Would you have a go? Would you change career? Do you think you could? It's a bit. T- it's a bit terrifying. I seriously looked at it, and then I got. I got offered a really, really well-paid job. And primary school teachers get what? I think it's twenty-four thousand pounds. It might have been twenty-six thousand pounds, and we were about to have a baby. And it just didn't make sense in the slightest to do something as ridiculous as as changing career at that moment. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The other thing we're talking about this morning is uh, should mobile phones be banned in supermarkets? No, no, don't laugh. I think it makes sense. The number of idiots you see pushing trolleys, they've got two kids, one in the trolley, one kind of running around like a lunatic. Trolleys full of stuff. They're on the mobile phone, either texting or talking to... Do you want the green milk or the blue milk? That's what they do. Green milk or blue? How many, how many froobs do you want? They do. Do we need... Have we got any froobs in the fridge? Petit filou! Uh, and then they're bashing into people, knocking stuff over, causing injuries. I totally think that they should be banned. 08459 455 555. Should mobile phones be banned in supermarkets? And I'll be honest, the hotline that we've opened to stores, independent and otherwise, to join our campaign, well, it's been a little bit quiet. 08459 455 555. Are you a small independent shop owner or a big manager of a supermarket? Are you brave enough to take the plunge and say, yes, do you know what? We will ban mobile phones in our store. Come on. You don't want to get sued for health and safety, do you? An H&S? No. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. When you were um, a young girl and you yes. dreamed of being a newsreader at BBC Three Counties Radio, <laughs> yeah. did you ever think you'd be saying the phrase subject to add-ons? I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, What's an add-on and what would it be subject to? Well, I'm imagining, like, clothing allowance. Maybe they get a few free balls, boots, um... Uh, uh, we'll end it there, I think. Book, book tokens? Yeah. Subject to add-ons. Free balls? What? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've just tuned in, you've missed a cracking first hour. Go back, listen on the iPlayer. No, hang on, listen to this hour first. No, what's the best way to do this? Actually, just switch off. You've missed too much. <laughs> you've missed too much to pick it up. No, stick with us. I think you'll, you'll get the thread. There's lots in the show. Uh, and as always, uh, it's good to have your opinion 
on this. Taxi drivers, do you feel threatened by your passengers? Well, the BBC Three Counties investigation reveals how many drivers have been attacked in the last year. It's quite shocking figures. If you do drive a taxi, do you feel threatened? Have you actually been threatened? 08459 455 555. Mobile phones should be banned from supermarkets, according to a Hertfordshire shopper who says she has a very good reason why. We'll hear from her in the next half an hour. If you agree or disagree, you can give us a call. Not from a supermarket, that'll be um, a little bit cheeky. And also, we're looking for a shop owner who is brave enough to say, yes, do you know what, Ian? I will ban mobile phones in my store. Are you that man or woman? 08459 455 555. And MPs are warning that would-be councillors are being deterred from standing for election because they're not given enough money. Do you think their allowance should be increased? We'll give more numbers and facts and figures around that a bit later on. You can go to the Facebook page where I'm arguing with people at the moment, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send us a text. 81333 81333 starting your text 3CR or, and look, we've got two lines free now is an excellent time to give us a call we got loads of phone calls yesterday they were all in the last hour of the show which meant that a lot of you couldn't get on if you call in now, I'll guarantee you'll get on if you've got a good point to make 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Asian taxi drivers uh, in St Albans are calling on Hearts Police to increase their presence on the outskirts of the city to make them feel safer. It's after a uh, BBC Three Counties investigation revealed that there were over 200 attacks on cabbies in beds and hearts last year. Nearly 50% of those were deemed to be religiously or racially aggravated. Uh, Well, Justin Dealey is out and out. Justin, whereabouts are you? Yes, thank you, Ian. I'm just uh, live at the moment at St Albans. I'm at the taxi rank here, which is uh, pretty busy, even for this time in the morning. I'm here with Mohammed Khan. He's the chairman of the St Albans Hackney Carriage Association. Uh, we've heard the introduction there from Ian. You want more protection from the police. Tell us what you want the police to do for you. Uh, we would like the uh, police to respond um, more quickly when it's a call from a taxi driver rather than being relaxed all about it and taking over half an hour to get to the driver. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the police are letting you and other taxi drivers down? Is there a, a thought process behind this at all? I think um, they just don't prioritise us probably for some reason, whatever it is. Um, taxi drivers all over the country are not prioritised in any way whatsoever. Yeah. So you want them to take that seriously. Racism. You don't work nights. Is that because you've been racially abused in the past? Uh, Yes, I have. Um, Quite often, back in those days, there was a hell of a problem. So I haven't worked nights for the last seven to ten years. And what's it like? I'm trying to get my head round this. If I was a taxi driver and I was out just doing my job, trying to earn a decent living, and somebody was racially abusing me, I don't know how I would feel. When it's happened, how has that made you feel? Um, Horrible. It gives you this thought that there are people out here who still don't take you um, as a British person. And I feel that's what we are. We are doing a job for the uh, society here uh, as a whole. And we should be treated the same as anyone else rather than... I can tell you an incident that occurred on the town rank. Uh, uh, over a fair when a guy was told this is how much it's going to be. He kept going back and he started abusing everybody racially. What do they do? Uh, and nobody takes any notice of it at all. I mean, if somebody racially abused you today, 
Would you even report that to the police because you're thinking they wouldn't take this seriously? Would you even bother? No, I wouldn't because it's just a waste of time. I mean, how ridiculous is that? It's the year 2013. If somebody is racially abusing you, you wouldn't even report it because you think, well, they don't care. I think um, it's terrible because uh, we, we as a society now are all integrated. We're all British and yes, of course, it hurts very much. But to know that nobody's going to take any notice of it, it hurts even more. So you just take it in your stride and get on with it. We keep on hearing about more and more attacks on taxi drivers like yourself. Now, you don't work nights, so it hasn't happened for quite some time, but somebody did pull a knife out on you. Tell us what happened there. Yes, it was um, late at night, picked up from the Batchwood Hall and uh, taking them around the back of St Albans somewhere. And it, it, It's been a long time, I can't remember the full incident. And yes, he pulled a knife out on me to ask me for money to rob me. But of course, you know... We have to put up a fight now and then. And, um, so you never gave away. him the money? Yeah, he basically ran away, you know, and I didn't give him the money. So, uh, yes, I have, and since then I haven't worked nights at all, and I did not report that neither because of the fact that I wasn't going to get anywhere, especially in those days. You see, I find this incredible, and your story's not alone here. You're telling me <coughs> we're here on the taxi rank this morning. Pretty much every single taxi driver has got a story about being robbed or attacked or threatened. They've all got stories, and they're not being taken seriously. Uh, can I tell you that uh, we actually get the police and, and, and the stewards here passing on all these undesirables who they want to get off their hands, they pass it on to the taxi driver and the poor soul has to deal with them on his own at the other end. And nobody cares about the driver, what he will have to go through. And the least they can do is get their fare for them before they throw them in the cab. But no, they want to get them off their hand, get them in the cabbie. The cabbie is too afraid to question because it's the police on the other side and they don't want any repercussions by way of losing their license so they, they just take them and then take the repercussions on the other end and then the police are not there for them okay just lastly I, I want to know what you get from doing this job because from what you just told me there I would never ever want to be a taxi driver why would you want to be a taxi driver and what do you get from this job Mohammed? Well, at the moment, I don't get very much by way of, um, you know, wages because there's hardly any work, too many taxis. And, um, yes, the, uh, I, I do the day shift, so I take the old ladies home now. And I feel I'm doing a service for the old ladies who need us here uh, and get them home safely and securely. And Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you. Much appreciated. Um, incredible, that. Yeah. I have to say, yeah. that was uh, Mohammed Khan, who's the chairman of the St Albans Hackney Carriage Association. You've heard it all there. Why you'd want to be a taxi driver, I don't know. But, but they're saying, we're just trying to make a living. And for goodness sake, when we report something, take it seriously, because this is only going to get worse. Justin, incredible. Thank you very much for that. Well, the, the, the story that, that prompted our investigation here at BBC Three Counties Radio was the story of Mudassir Yassin. He was attacked with a screwdriver, and his experience means he's too scared to work nights anymore he spoke to our reporter matt lockwood and told him more about what happened once we get there he you know he's just pointing oh go this way go that way and you know i've, I've already got in my mind that he wants to do maybe a runner or something but i didn't have in my mind that he's going to grab me or anything like that yeah when we get to where he said stop yeah he just grabbed me so he goes to me i've got a sharp object uh, I, I could feel something didn't know whether it was a knife or not later on they told me it was a screwdriver but 
Uh, at that time, yeah, it felt like it was a knife. And the immediate minutes after the attack, I mean, how did you feel? You must have been, you know, badly shaken up and you never thought that when you went out to pick up this man, this would happen to you. When someone attacks you, they can't, like, just leave you there and run away. But this guy got out of the car, he apologised. And then he kind of, like, didn't run away, but walked away. And, you know, I, I was just in shock. And I, I saw him all the way until I couldn't, you know, couldn't see him anymore when he went around the corner of the alleyway. But, um... Yeah, I was just in complete shock. I just couldn't move. Um, uh, when I did come back to my senses a couple of minutes later, I'd, I really didn't know what to do. You know, and first thing I did was ring one of my friends just to see, you know, what, what should I do? Just tell us about the counselling and some of the flashbacks that you suffered. It took me a little while to come to terms with it. I picked up young lads, 17, 18-year-olds, and they're sitting in the car, and, you know, they'll be doing normal things like your own friends would, like, you know, messing about with each other in the back and stuff, and, you know, I, I just sometimes feel like as if they were going to do something to me, and I've done crazy things like park in the middle of a uh, road and put the brakes on and tell them to get out and you know it's uh, later on I've had customers come back to the rank and actually apologize thinking it's their fault when actually it's my fault that I've done something to them and it's only when they've come back to me that I've realized I've done something that wasn't right on the weekend nights the police are pretty much centralized within the town center and trying to get them outside of that area is near enough impossible you know we've had drivers who've gone you know le less than a mile outside the town center and you know they've rang the police and have been waiting there three four hours for, for the police to turn up so it, has, it is quite concerning those kind of things but yeah uh, at a certain time uh, when when the nighttime revelers are leaving the, uh, the nightclubs um, the police actually disappear um, which then causes problems for us because if there isn't a police presence then it's leaving it to us to decide uh, how we you know um, pick these customers up even regardless how abusive they are to us um, you know, we've had incidents in the town centre which has led to um, the increasing of the hours for the marshals. Um, previously, they only were here till 3 o'clock, now they're here till 3.30, where we had an incident uh, around about 3.30 where uh, a customer's uh, trying to get into a vehicle um, and the um, he's actually jumped the queue and when the cab drivers had a word with him about it, he's actually assaulted the driver. So, you know, we have incidents like that happen where, you know, it would be nice for the police to show a bit more more uh, of a presence. Are you a cabbie, a minicab driver? Does this ring true to you? Have you been threatened in your cab or felt threatened by um, intimidating behaviour? 08459 455 555. Would love to hear your story on this. It's amazing uh, what can happen. You know, cab driver just doing his job and someone pulls out a weapon or someone gets a bit funny or does a runner or loads of things. It must be weird working where you have strangers sat behind you within grasping range. I'd feel very uncomfortable. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Tyler, you got a second? Yes. Uh, just, um,. Just a little bit shocked by something you've posted on Twitter. I'd, I'd tell you why. I'm, I'm wearing smart shoes. I often do. I'm a smart man. And uh, Kelly Betts on my team has taken a picture of my smart shoes and my socks. Um, and yes, th those trousers do fit me. I'm just lifting them up so you get a better view. And that's been posted on, on Twitter and uh, on Facebook. And then you've replied, quote... I'm not sure why, but the socks and shoes combo reminds me of Toad of Toad Hall. Well, oh God, I sound a lot like Keith Lemon. You, you do a little bit, yes. I don't know if you've ever listened to a recording of your voice. It's a terribly husky thing. Uh, you do sound like a bloke. But why Toad of Toad Hall, Sophie? I'll find you a picture and I'll show you. They look great, though. But I will show you and you'll go, oh, she might have a point there. Could you it's find me a picture? It's going to be like the chalk farm situation all over again. Isn't it just? So, <laughs> find me a picture. Sophie Tyler, thank you very much. 
I don't know why I gave Sophie a northern accent. She obviously doesn't have one, but she's got a husky voice. I think you'd agree with that, wouldn't you, dear listener? Now, Nick Coffer is welcoming financial uh, uh, expert Rory Joseph onto his show from 12 in the Advice Clinic. He'll be answering any questions you have about savings, mortgages, pensions, inheritance, inheritances. You can call later with your questions, or you can send him an email now. Nick at bbc.co.uk. Put your phone number in and you might get to speak to Nick Coffer later on. Now, just imagine the scene, okay? You're in the supermarket looking around. Where's the, uh, where's the extra mature? Ch- Ow! Bang! Someone bashes into you with their trolley or their basket. And to make it all the more frustrating, it's because they're on their mobile phone. Well, a Hertfordshire woman says she is fed up of it happening to her. She wants a blanket ban on using mobile phones in all supermarkets. She's been injured several times whilst out shopping. Debbie McArdle from Hemel Hempstead says people aren't paying enough attention. She joins us now to tell us her story. Good morning, Debbie. Hello, good morning. Tell us what happened to you. Um, I've received a couple of injuries um, whilst doing my shopping. Um, first, I was hit in the back of the sort of ankle area by somebody that was so engrossed in their conversation that they just just didn't stop, basically. Um, that time, it was actually my fault for not moving too fast, and I had a mouthful of abuse, which I found very rude. She, well, you got abuse? Yeah, because I was in the way, basically. Oh, look at you, Debbie, um, getting in the way of people who aren't looking where they're going. Yeah, exactly. What did you say? Um, when she, when, I'm assuming it was a woman. When she gave you a mouthful of abuse, what did you say? Um, actually, you went into me. The word is... Um, I'm sorry. Um, and she just looked sort of totally vague. Yeah. Put a mobile back to her ear and carried on. Oh, dear. What was the second so incident? Thought, second incident, um, I was walking into the shop and a um, lady had a, a small child in one hand, mobile phone in the other hand. Um, she swung around with a basket in this hand with a no- mobile phone and near enough connected with my cheekbone. Wow. Um, but I just sort of put my hand up and just sort of shielded away the blow. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse. Um, she did offer an, an apology. Well, that's something. Um, you know, but it's increasingly happening near enough all the while you go shopping. And it's just, it's a pain. What are you doing, Debbie, to prevent mobile usage in supermarkets? I've contacted the three major sort of um, supermarkets in the area, which is Asda, Tesco's, and uh, Sainsbury's. And what have they said? Um... Tesco's manager was quite sort of, um, I don't know what we can do about this, um, whatever, and he wasn't really willing to talk, and he was more sort of, well, you know, mobile things are that, you know, are used constantly. Yeah. Yeah, fine, they are. I'm a mobile user, but I don't use it going round a shop, and then I've got no concept of what's going on in my immediate area, and this is where it's going wrong. We we I'm this morning, listen, Debbie. Listen, I am I am totally on your side, okay. And I would ban I would ban them in supermarkets. I think they're a pain. You can go fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes without making a phone call or checking your email. Surely, we yeah. have put the call out there this morning. We have asked any shopkeepers, big supermarkets, or tiny independent grocers to come and support this campaign and say yes, they will ban mobile phones in their shops. And nobody's got back in touch. I'm, I'm guessing that the, 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 the shopkeepers are worried that if they do something as bold and as brave as this, they might lose customers. Um, I can see that, but I actually visited a shop, not in Hemel, yesterday in Tring, and she had a sign clearly on there, in a florist, please do not use your mobile phone. Did and she really? I went, great. 
She said, they're a pain. She <laughs> said, it's a small shop, people are negotiating rounds, and people are standing in the middle yelling down a mobile phone. She said, I can't hear myself thinking it. I'm it was, not allowing it. This was a florist in Tring, was it? It was, yes. Right, we're going to try and get her on the phone. I want to speak to this. I want to speak to this forward thinker. It kind of, that's, um, that, it's, a, it's a brave thing to do, because you often see signs saying only two school children allowed at a time, and if, I, I would be more inclined to go into a shop if they had a sign saying no mobile phones. Yeah, definitely. The other thing, on the converse though, Debbie, some of these, these little independent shops, have you ever had that? When you go into the shop and you've got your milk, you've got your cheese, you've got your bread, and then the mm-hmm. fella behind the counter is on the phone himself and doesn't even look at you as he serves you. Yeah, that's happened I, quite I, a few I hate that. I think it's rude. Put your, phone d- put your phone down and talk to me. I'm a customer. You can speak to your mum or wherever it is later on. Yeah. Uh, Debbie, th- th- there are some people who would say, come on, look, l- you're being silly. Mobile. Well, I-, I tweeted this earlier on, and someone replied back, well, I bet the person that got injured was an idiot. Are you, are you sure, Debbie, it wasn't your <laughs> fault? No, not at all. Um, actual fact, this is not an isolated incident. Right. I work in um, people mainly, I see people from three to 103 in my job, and I've had five or six people come forward and say that they've got um, injured with by mobile phone usage in supermarkets. One that stuck out in my mind is a guy that's about 79. He really just couldn't move out the way quick enough. Yeah. He's a valid shopper, and he's now, he was hit in the bank of the ankle area. He's got two ulcerated legs oh. from that incident. And now he's quite down about it. Yeah, I bet. Plus also, you know, when it, you think of that, he is not an isolated, in, it's not an isolated incident. Mm. And it's, happen, it's happening quite frequently, and it's getting worse. Debbie, listen, thank you very much. Debbie McArdle from Hemel Hempstead who wants mobile phones banned in supermarkets. I totally support this. Totally support this. 08459 455 555. What do you think? It sounds sensible, doesn't it? Or do you completely disagree and think, come on, mobile phones. We just heard there about an old boy getting a really bad injury. And are you, we're going to try and find that florist in Tring, by the way, that has uh, apparently banned mobile phones. Are you prepared to join this small movement? Do you own a, a, a small shop? Are you a manager of a bigger supermarket? Or maybe you're an independent grocer's. Will you join us? Will you join the Ian Lee Show and ban mobile phones in your shop? 08459 455 555. Well, we sent Justin Dealey out to find out what you think about this. He spoke to one shopper, Laura, at her local supermarket. Well, Laura, your shopping bags are just going into the back of a taxi yeah, right now. Fine. You were actually put into hospital because somebody yeah. went into you with their trolley because they were on a mobile on phone. phone Tell us what happened. And just swept the trolley and put on the back of my leg, back of my knee. I had to be taken to the any, you know, because I was, I couldn't walk. I mean, I'm already disabled because I can't walk properly, as you can see. I've got mm. my stick because I've got a bad back. But it, it's just gone, you know, shouted at me and gone. So your message would be, for goodness sake, just take Get it easy because you've been into hospital. Oh, use your earpiece if you're going to walk and talk, you know. But uh, no, they don't. It's all this new touch thing. They're touching and talking, you know, and sending emails and everything else like that. And it's not right. If you never saw a mobile phone again, that wouldn't bother you, would oh, it? Oh, not the, the least, I tell you. Not the least. All this touching and talking. Well, what do you think? Would you ban it in supermarkets? I really want a shopkeeper to come on and grab this. 
by the throat and say, yes, Ian, we will burn mobile phones in our shop. 08459 455 555. Also been talking about taxi drivers this morning as uh, 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 an investigation by BBC Three Counties has discovered that the number of... uh, There are over 200 attacks on taxi drivers in hearts and beds last year. Um, Phil is in St Albans. Morning, Phil. Morning, Ian. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you very much. You're not a taxi driver, are you? I'm not, no. What's your story? Well, I was just... uh, You were saying about how should taxi drivers have more protection. Um, I think also the the passengers also need to be looked at to have more uh, protection as well. Oh, go on, what happened? Last last year, my girlfriend was propositioned by a taxi driver late at night when he was taking her home um, and made, like, sexual advances towards her. Uh, She wasn't drunk in any way, but she was so scared that she jumped out of the taxi in the middle of the town. Um, And we reported it to the police, uh, but they said they'd had some several uh, similar complaints, but nothing's ever been done about it, and the guy was never found. So, um, so what, what, what was he saying? Look, if you let me do this, this and this, I'll, I'll let you off your fare. Yeah, is it that actually, kind of thing? So she ran home. Um, this is about half past 12 at night. Um, I basically then went out looking for the taxi driver. Um, stopped at the SO, bought myself a, a can of uh, cat food, a couple of plastic bags, wrapped it in that. That was going to be what I was going to hit you with. Phil! Um, went looking for him and uh, never found him, reported it to the police, and uh, yes, and she's fired to death for taking taxis. Phil, out. you're. Lo- well, listen, that's terrible what happened to your partner. Of course, it's, it's awful. But you're lucky you didn't find him because you'd have gone to prison. You can't whack a taxi driver over the head with a couple of cans of cat food. Well, the cat food was. It's better to take a cat food than a cricket bat, so. Oh, Phil. At least I could say I was stopping out for some cat food, you well, know. You, you don't, well, don't want to mess with Phil and Phil's girlfriend. Phil, listen, we can't condone. I can understand why you'd be angry and why you'd be physically angry, but I can't condone that. And you co- you're lucky you didn't find it, Phil, because you would have got banged up for that. And you don't want that at all. Uh, Ian is in Luton. Morning, Ian. Morning, Ian. Yeah. yeah what's, what, what have you called him for? I just want to try and defend uh, the police's position in all this. My wife works for Bedfordshire Police, and obviously uh, you do hear things, and, you know, I shouldn't say too much, but, you know, the police force today is well uh, stretched to the limit, and it's even more stretched to the limit on nights. You know, a few years back, uh, night crews were double-manned for health and safety reasons. Yeah. But, um... Uh, because it's a government, uh, you know, civil thing, they don't fall under the auspices of health and safety anymore. So they go out single crewed, you know, and uh, for a police officer to be on his own or her own uh, at night, if he gets a shout, she, she goes to that shout or he goes to that shout, not really knowing what they're walking into. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's, it's not all roses uh, being a police You're referring, officer. just, just to, to, to join the dots here, you're referring to, we, we spoke to a, a, a cab driver earlier on who says that the police pass people on to them that they can't deal with them. And, and what, you're saying that, that, that it's, it's, just, it's just as bad and as dangerous for the police officers that are out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah also, and obviously, um, you know, while I'm, I'm not condoning taxi drivers being beaten up, crikey, you know, uh, but unfortunately in today's society, uh, if you work at night on your own uh, and you carry cash then you, get, you are a little bit of a target. You know, I'm not saying that it's right, but that's a fact. So you're saying um, your, your missus is, is a police officer, and she goes yeah. out on her own at night time sometimes to deal with oh, stuff. Yeah. But they have to go out single crude, OK, because yeah. they've not got the resources. So may I suggest that um, the, the Asian taxi drivers, or whoever you want to call yourselves, instead of, um, you know, knocking uh, the, the police force, why don't they get onto their new police and crime um, commissioner 
and complain to them instead of complaining about the fact that they don't get a good service from the police. Well, but, but, so, but, but, but Ian, but Ian, when, listen, I, I, may I suggest, with the greatest respect, when you join the police force, you know you're going to be put into dangerous situations. A taxi oh, driver, a taxi driver course. just trying to earn a few quid to, to feed his family. Yeah, of course. Um, my they, shouldn't, they shouldn't be put in dangerous situations, should they? Not at all. Nobody should. And, and again, if I can say this uh, without being called a racist, it, it's the same for whether you're yellow, black, green, pink, speak a different language. Yeah. You should all be treated the same in this Of course country. you should. Yeah? So I understand where they But a lot of these from. attacks on, on taxi drivers are racially motivated. That's the thing. Uh, it's easy to say that, but if you if you look at the number of of, of uh, well not number of but uh, taxi drivers as a whole, yeah, they tend to be maybe Asian or Polish right. or wh- whoever. But if if, so, if it's racially motivated, and you can tell that by the language, and I'm not going to give examples, but the names that that taxi driver might be called. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But it's an old saying: sticks and stones might break my bones, but harsh words never hurt me. So you know, let's remember that. I mean. Uh, just to, yeah, one but, point, then, one, but, one but screw, screwdrivers and knives might hurt you, and these people uh, are being yes, attacked. Exactly. But my point is, you know, people are quick enough to complain about the police force, yeah. but they're not quick enough to complain to the people that can make a difference. But, the the taxi, but if, a taxi, a difference, if a taxi driver is being... And I've got to go in a second, so we're late for the news, but this is interesting. If the taxi driver is being given passengers by the police that he's not comfortable dealing with that are dangerous, then that is the responsibility of the police force, isn't it? Why uh, should the taxi I, driver complain to the police commissioner when it's, it's the police that are at fault? It's uh, not the fault of the police. They don't have the resources, do they? But then why should the taxi... But, the, but the, listen, if, you, if, you're dealing, if you're with the police, you know there are chances you're going to get put in, 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 in dangerous situations. That's part of what you sign up for. If you're a cab driver, whatever colour you are, you shouldn't be getting threatened and verbally okay. abused and have knives okay. put to your throat. Okay. I said earlier, we should all be treated the same. We should. OK. We'll end it there, Ian. I'm slightly confused by your point, but thank you very much for making it. I appreciate it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Right, Sophie Tyler, she's found the picture of me looking like the toad of Toad Hall. I don't quite get it, but we'll listen to her travel report, shall we? Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, thank you very much indeed. We're a little bit late, so let's go straight to the travel uh, to the news, excuse me, with Catherine Boyle. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to fit in before 8 o'clock, including find out what's being done to bring empty homes back to use in Bedfordshire. And should councillors be given more in allowances? We'll talk about that in the next few minutes. Now, we've been talking about housing all this week and the pressures on councils in beds, hearts and bucks to provide homes for everyone who needs them. One of the solutions is to bring empty homes back into use. A house in Lindsley, which has stood empty for 13 years, has now got new owners. Christine and Jeff Harrison were able to use an empty homes loan from Central Bedfordshire Council to restore it. It's the first time the council have issued a loan for a privately owned home. Our reporter Tony Fisher has been to visit the house and spoke to Christine, who'd lived next door to the empty property for years. Christine, we're standing in your kitchen here in Solbury, in in Linslade. Uh, The kitchen is finished, but everywhere else there's work going on around you. So you've only moved in fairly recently. We actually only moved in in August, but we actually purchased this house two years ago. So we've we've been working on it. It's been an ongoing process, but we're actually getting to the point where we can see light at the end of the tunnel now. So you've seen this house 
decay in front of you, as it were. Um, and then you, you decided, right, we're going we're gonna to buy it because it was a bit bigger and, you know, you thought you could do something with it. Yeah, we lived next door and we watched it going down and down and down. The garden had become overgrown. The windows were being smashed. It had been broken into. The windows were boarded up. And it was just so sad. It was, it was once a loved house. It had a beautiful garden and, and it had all gone to rack and ruin. And we always thought, wouldn't it be fa- fabulous if we could buy that house? And then when you moved in, what sort of problems did you encounter? Because a house that's been standing with no one in it for 13 years, a lot of problems, I imagine. More problems than we envisaged. When we bought the house, it came with all of the old ladies' um, belongings in there. So actually when you walked in, there was furniture in the rooms and beds everywhere, and it looked like you could just move in. However, when we actually came in and we turned on the water at the mains, we had Niagara Falls through all of the walls and ceilings where all of the taps and pipes burst. Um, We discovered that all of the electrics were completely kaput. They'd been chewed by squirrels um, in the attic, and so we couldn't use any of the electrics. The gas was unsafe, so all of their gas had to be turned off. So we actually had a much bigger problem than we envisaged when we bought the house. Did you have second thoughts at that point? We had serious second thoughts because we had a small amount of money that we'd budgeted thinking that we would move in, get the house you know, reasonably up and running, sell the house that we were living in so that we could use that money to, to finish renovating it. But we didn't realise the extent of the work that was going to need to be done and we actually thought that we were going to have to sell the house because we just didn't have the money to, to pay for what needed to be done just to make it habitable, basically. And so then at this point, did the council step in and try and help you? The council were really, really helpful. When we we initially got in touch with them because of the empty because of the order that they were going to put on the house to take it back, um, and we were told at that point that because the house had been empty for so long that we actually would be entitled to an empty homes loan, um, and it's for private sector housing. And apparently nobody else had actually had this loan. We were the first people in this area to actually have this empty homes loan. So we were asked if we wanted to apply for it, and we did. And uh, what about other people living nearby? Are they glad to see someone finally moving into the house after 13 years? The response of the local people has been absolutely incredible. We have people, we've had people coming and knocking on the door, asking if they can come in and have a look and see what we're doing because people have been going past for years and years and seen this house all boarded up and the garden overgrown and people are just really interested to see what's happening and what we're doing with it and we're happy to show them. So, yeah, no, it's been great. Well, in the whole of central Bedfordshire, there are close to 2,000 empty homes and of those, nearly 100 have been vacant for more than six months. In about an hour's time, we'll speak to the councillor responsible for housing in central Bedfordshire, Carol Hegley. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give us a call at any point, 08459 455 555. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that the lack of shop owners who want to get on board what is obviously a brilliant campaign to ban mobile phones in stores. We've heard from a lady who uh, has been injured several times. Come on, shop owners, this is a great campaign. You know it makes sense. Ban those mobile phones. Now, should councillors be given more in allowances? MPs are warning that low pay is putting many of us off the idea of becoming councillors. They say the problem is existing council members are reluctant to increase them because they fear public criticism. The concern comes from the Cross-Party Communities and Local Government Select Committee. Heather Wheeler is from that committee. Morning, Heather. Morning, Ian. How much do councillors on average get paid? 
It absolutely ranges from zero. Parish councillors tend not to have any expenses uh, paid at all. Uh, to district councillors, the smaller ones, maybe three thousand a year. Uh, the larger ones, maybe ten thousand a year. And counties and unitaries, around about the ten thousand mark. Obviously, um, people who are cabinet members or chairs of committees or leaders get paid more on top of that as a, a special allowance on top and petrol money and that sort. And of it thing. is an allowance, isn't it? Because most councillors, I'd imagine would have an inverted commas proper job yeah that's absolutely right and and this is what's so interesting that actually we've slightly gone away from it being about public service and about being community leaders the real difficulty comes when you're really encouraging um younger members to to become councillors you know the person in their 30s who's just really motoring with a job they've got a young family and it comes a bit of a career limiting move so you know the employers are not that keen they say well you can do it but either that's the end of your career in which case you need to build up something else and cover those costs but also actually part of the report is really encouraging employers to understand what a fantastic thing it would be and how proud they ought to be to have a counsellor as an employee and to give them the time off and you know it's generally accepted that employers will give 28 days for somebody to be a jp mm. well it really ought to be something similar to that for a councillor and if, it ought not to be career limiting if if councillors are paid more money doesn't that kind of lose the reason why people become councillors they become councillors because they're public spirited and they want to help their community and make their community a better place if suddenly sums of money are being bandied around doesn't that detract from that slightly yeah, I mean, actually, I agree with you. And, and funnily enough, you know, this is one paragraph out of 73 paragraphs in the report. The whole of the skew of the report is exactly as you say. It, uh, and, and my personal opinion is, is absolutely, it's about public service. It's about getting back in touch with your community. You've got particular skills. And it really, in my opinion, ought to be a part-time um, arrangement. It, it, this is your spare time that you're doing this. So some councillors do four hours a week some councillors do 15 hours a week and obviously if you're a cabinet member or you're a leader you're going to do a lot more so those special allowances ought to take that into account but as as your as your community leader your backbench councillor the time is what you make of it have you come across people who are put off because of of the lack of money well, the really hilarious thing is that um, when we were looking to get 36 um, candidates running uh, for the election um, back uh, in 2011 in South Derbyshire, most people didn't even realise that they actually got any allowances. Right. It came as a very um, happy surprise to them. Oh, that's nice. So it isn't the number one issue. It absolutely isn't. And is it? Is it? You, you're try- I'm assuming you're trying to attract uh, younger people. Is, is that the problem? It's mainly older people. Well, it, it really is quite um, interesting. I mean, a, a, again, you know, Luton, I appreciate, is a long way from South Derbyshire. Yes. But, you know, in the old days, our council meetings used to start at three o'clock because the lads finished at the pit at two o'clock, were in the pit baths, and then went down the council. Oh. Well, uh, as it happens, as a young mum, it suited me brilliantly to have council meetings at three o'clock because my little one was able to go off and have a play date, and she didn't really even notice that mum wasn't around. You know, we'd finish at half five, six o'clock, I'd go go along and pick her up and she was as happy as larry but other people you know if you're you're trying to do a job or you're running a shop or something like that you know obviously it's incredibly difficult to get out during the day most councils now um uh, district councils tend to meet in the evenings um one of the district councils meets on a saturday which i think is quite innovative oh i wouldn't like uh, that heather oh i wouldn't want to give up my saturdays 
Well, it's about public service. You're right, And it's about fitting in when you when you can. Yeah. I mean, as it happens, if you're running a shop, Saturday's probably the worst day to take off. So, I mean, it's the only one I have heard of. But um, <laughs> and, and, and it is difficult when you've got the unitaries and the, the county councils. They tend to meet during the day. Heather Wheeler, thank you very much for that indeed. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. It's crossed, it's crossed my mind, being a councillor. It has crossed my mind, but then you just, it is, you'll give up all your evenings for the meetings. And Saturdays, oh, I couldn't give up Saturdays. Suddenly when you look at it, and also, who, who likes their local councillors? We've had them in here and I've given them a, a, a rough ride. You give them a rough ride. No one's really nice to a local councillor, are they? Jonathan Vernon Smith, back Monday morning from nine on BBC Three Counties yeah. Radio. That trailer's a lie. Did anyone spot the deliberate lie in that? BBC, we're not allowed to lie. I've only been gone a couple of weeks. You've not. You've been gone for three weeks, Jonathan Vernon-Smith. You've had a holiday of three weeks. A three-week holiday. He must have the best contract in the world. When he comes back, you can hear stuff like this. So he's raw when they kind of just grab one another, whereas Smackdown is when they fling them over the back and no, all that. No, it's all the same. It's, oh, it's, what's the difference it's, it's then? Just, oh, it's different type of wrestlers. Oh, I see. So, like, yeah. you <laughs> might get the big ones... Yeah. They do the raw, and then the little ones do... If that's the case, I'm going to go raw. He's... <laughs> if that's the case, I'm going to go raw. He's back on Monday. David Preve will be filling in for him for the rest of the week. He's doing a superb job. Now, supermarkets. Let's, ba- let's ban mobile phones in them, shall we? All shops. We've heard stories of injuries, people being maimed, going to hospitals. 08459 455 555. Let's ban them. Cynthia works behind the tills in a supermarket. We'll say no more than that. Good morning, Cynthia. Morning. Well, do you often see people wandering around on their phones? Yes, I do. How does it make you feel? Angry. Why? Because when they come to the till, they're still on the phone. Ooh. And they just don't even know you've, been, you've served them. Mm. They don't speak a word. They don't say good morning. They don't say nothing. That's the majority of them. Some do, some do but... Uh, and they even answer the phone if it rings while they're being served. And I just think I'll back any um, anything that will stop this from happening. Well, in, Cynthia, in we're, st- we're starting a campaign here on the Ian Lee Show. Well, I'm behind it. Well, you're, you, there's not many, to be honest. I'm desperately trying to find a <laughs> shop that will phone up and say, yes, Ian, we are Steve's Grocers and we're in Milton Keynes and we're going to ban mobile phones. No, no shops are, are, are grabbing what is obviously an there excellent a- cause. There was a, uh, a a baker's somewhere, but I can't. I, I think it was in uh, Norfolk somewhere. That oh. was in the paper, and that uh, um, mm. actually put a notice up saying that they will they're banning anybody. Well, there's legend not serving them until they've come off the phone. And I think that's what should happen. There's legend of a florist in Tring where this happens as oh, well. Right. Well, I'm I'm behind her as well. I would I would I would go and get right behind her uh, in yeah. that florist and support that whole. I would buy my flowers from her if that were were the case. Cynthia, have you ever had that though when you're in shops and the person behind the till is on the phone? Um, yes, once. I but, hate that. Um, I that hate was, that. Uh, yes, I know. I hate that. I'm at least they being. did apologise when right. they came off the phone, but as I say, these people that are actually on the phone, it's, it's not only that, it's holding up the people yeah. behind them and Cynthia you're a listen you work on the till but yeah, you're you're a human being you're a woman you have needs you have emotions you're a, you, you want to be treated like a human being yes although have you been on one of those awful courses where you have to learn how to make small talk with the oh, customer oh yes yes go on, go, go on do, do some on me now do some small talk oh, no, wh- 
Um, it was a long while ago because I've been there a long while. All right, so <laughs> I, I've got, I've got, I've got a basket full of stuff. So I'm, I'm just you're scanning the milk and the cheese. Through. Do do a bit of small talk with me, Cynthia. See how it goes. Uh, well, it's just. Um, is is that all? Is that all you've got? Have you? Do you want anything else this morning? Or uh, um, the weather's the weather's nice. The weather the weather is nice. No, yeah. I, I I I I do need some more cheese. Where's the cheese? Um, and I'll tell her where it is. It's it's in in the corner over the other side of the. Do you uh, mind shop. if I do you mind if I go and get the cheese? I'm, oh, no, no. There's a bit there's a bit of a queue though. <laughs> d- yes, I know. But I then ring. I would then ring for somebody else to come and help me. That's very so, kind. Yeah. That's very kind. I'm, I'm back. I've got the cheese now, Cynthia. Thank you for that. Yes. Is there anything else that you have forgotten? I don't think I've forgotten anything. Right. So that'll be how, however much it was. D- 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 there's my card. I've got these vouchers. Are these valid? Um, yes, I will look at them and I'll see that they're valid. And if they're not, then I say I'm sorry, but they're not valid. No, these are... V- but I only got these from the magazine last week. These are valid. All right. Well, I'll, I'll put them through then. But what if they're not valid? And I don't put them through. But they are valid. <laughs> I'm arguing they're valid, even no, though they're not no, valid. No, I'm sorry. They're, if they're not valid, I cannot put them I through. I want to see... Who's in charge here? I'll get the manager for you. Do. So I get the manager. OK, so do, do, would, you be, would you be the man? Hang on a minute. Andy? Andy? Good morning. Good can, morning. Can, can you be the manager? I'll give it a go. All right. So I demand to see the manager, Cynthia. Right, the manager's come, and I've, I said to the manager, this... Uh, um, customer has got some vouchers and they say uh, that they are valid and i'm afraid they're not valid but um i i pass this over to you they are valid manager good morning sir can i go and pick pick the vouchers please yeah there are the vouchers i got them from the magazine only last week yeah unfortunately if you'd like to look at the problem sir they they are actually out of date Um, well then what are they doing in a magazine um unfortunately if we try and scan them they won't scan uh, the computer knows whether or not they're in, in date. This is disgusting. And this woman, this, this, this Till woman, Cynthia, she's been rude to me. Um, I'll take it up with the lace, but yeah, um, sorry, sir. You too. I'm not much you... good at being a, I'm, no. I'm not much good at being a store manager. Andy, you are, I, Andy, you are excellent. Cynthia, you handled it superbly. Yes, that was good. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Cynthia, listen, thank you very, very much indeed. Andy. Oh, hang on a minute. Cynthia, stay there. Yeah. Because, Andy, you use your mobile in supermarkets, do you? I, I sort of use it at the supermarket. What I do is, is, on, uh, is, is on my way home, I'll um, ask my other half to send me a photograph of the chalkboard with the uh, shopping list on it. Right. Um, and I, um, yeah, and I, I'll use the um, the photograph of the shop, chalkboard to uh, go around the shop, gathering the shopping. Uh, Cynthia, no what would you work. say to Andy? He's wandering around the stop, shop using his mobile phone. Yeah, well, that, that's fair enough because oh. it's like a shopping list. Oh, okay. It's when they get to the till. They get to the till. You wouldn't. And use, they you don't wouldn't speak a word. You wouldn't use it at the till, would you, Andy? Uh, no, no. There we go. We've, 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 we've sort, we have to end it there, because I've just realised we've spent 20 minutes having a role-play in a supermarket. I've got a guest coming on. Andy, Cynthia, you're good sports. Thank you very much for that. Now, if you've been made redundant, you may have had no choice but to change career. Or maybe you've considered changing career just because you're fed up with what you're doing. Well, uh, Tigger Vashil uh, Esker, hope I've got that right, wanted to spend more time with her children. So she bought Thurley Farm Centre in Bedfordshire with her husband. Morning, Tigger! Morning. What jobs did you leave behind? Um, good morning. Uh, my husband and I both gave up lives in the city, working in London, in financial oh. institutions. And you've taken up the Thurley Farm Centre. We have That indeed. sounds much more relaxed and romantic, is it? 
Um, relaxed and romantic, interesting word. Right. Um, yes, in some respects. In other respects, it's a lot of hard work and we work quite long hours here at the farm, but it's completely different to what we were doing previously. Do you prefer it? Yes. Why? What, what, what's better about what you're doing now? Um, it's fair to say that we've been doing this for about nine, ten years. We're yeah. in our tenth year now, and um, the transition was huge to what we were doing previously. I bet. We have evolved over time, and I think it's fair to say that we've left behind some of the priorities that we had in our previous lives, previous existence. The joys of what we do currently are um, a completely different business in the countryside with the most fantastic things here, which are for free. Um, beautiful sunrises, birdsong, um, dealing with a completely different entity. We meet wonderful people, lots and lots of visitors here, and just trying to prove to ourselves that we can run a business. Do you spend more time with the kids? It's an interesting answer, that one. Um, ironically, what we do, we are busier at the weekends and during the holidays, which should be precious time with our children. Yeah. And in all fairness, we hadn't necessarily anticipated that when we took on our lifestyle change. That said, we are a very close-knit family. We work, um, our children quite often get involved with us here in the business, and I think it's helped them develop a fantastic work ethic. Tigger, if, if someone is considering a career change... Mm-hmm. But they're a li- maybe a little bit anxious. Yep. What would you say to them? I would advise them to do research before um, thinking about doing a career change. Definitely do possibly a little bit more research than we undertook at the right, time. Right, okay. But I would certainly say go for it. And if you have a desire to do it, try and prove that you can do it because we certainly have very much enjoyed what we're doing. Well, good for you. Well done. That's uh, Tigger Vasileska, who uh, quit her job in the city. Her and her husband quit their jobs, bought Thurley Farm Centre in Bedfordshire, and it would appear they're living the dream. They're working hard. It's hard work. Of course it is. It's a farm centre. Tigger, thank you very much. Fascinating. Just gone eight o'clock, the last hour of the show here until nine. And then David Prever will be filling in for Jonathan Vernon Smith. Jonathan's back next week. Panic ye not. Lots coming up though between now and nine. <clears throat> Excuse me, and as always, would love your say. I'll give you the contact details in a bit. Here are some of the things we're talking about. A BBC Three Counties investigation reveals how many taxi drivers have been attacked in the last year. The figures are quite shocking. We're also discussing supermarket rage on the show this morning. A Hertfordshire woman wants mobile phones banned from all stores because she's been injured by shoppers who are distracted by them. Do you agree with her? And should councillors get more money in their allowances? A government report today reveals difficulties attracting potential politicians who are younger, women and from ethnic minorities. If you want to get in touch, facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. It's kicking off on there this morning, if I'm honest. You can send us a text, 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or, look, we've got a couple of lines free. Now is an excellent time to give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Asian taxi drivers in St Albans are calling on Hearts Police to increase their presence on the outskirts of the city to make them feel safer. It's after a BBC Three Counties investigation revealed that there were over 200 attacks on cabbies and beds and hearts last year. Nearly 50% of those were deemed to be religiously or racially aggravated. While BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey has spent the morning at the taxi rank in St Albans, he's been speaking to taxi driver Dario Rodriguez. Well, Dario, like many taxi drivers here in St Albans, you have been attacked, you were bleeding. Tell us exactly what happened. A big uh, three guys from the town rank, and I uh, took them to Salban's line. When I dropped them, they came around the car, through my side of the wind, they punched me, and even they stole my key, they grabbed the key off the car, they pulled it out and ran. I called the police, and uh, the police took, uh, well, probably I would say, they asked me if I want ambulance. So I didn't need ambulance because I mean it was the the bleeding was not that bad. And uh, the police came uh, probably about half an hour, 45 minutes, and they asked me if they stole anything from me. I said no, they didn't stole the restaurant. And they say it's nothing they can do about it. They said they took the state to take a statement and all the stuff, but it's nothing they can do because they couldn't say. They said they was going to see on CTV if they saw. Who was them? But I never heard from them anything. Yeah, I mean, this is why you're not working nights, because no. you, like most taxi drivers here, feel that the police are just not taking you seriously. No, I just uh, had enough. I just That's why I don't... Uh, we get a lot of beers. I mean, like myself, I'm a white, but I got a lot of beers at night because of my accent. Uh, people, they start calling me foreigners, and I get, I get really, really abused, and you get really abused at night. Well, Madassir Yassin was attacked by a drug addict who threatened him with a screwdriver. He joins me now. Good morning, Madassir. Hi, good morning. Tell me what happened. It sounds an incredible story. Yeah, um, yeah, it was just a normal weekend, really. Um, we picked up a customer and, uh, on the way down uh, to um, Cottonwood in St Albans. And, um, yeah, he was talking normally, just like a normal customer would. Um, I had no, um, um, I had no hesitation in thinking that he was going to do anything. It was just as we came down closer to where he was, uh, his destination was, um, he started being a bit weird, um, going from one side to the other, um, thing, um, not knowing exactly where he wanted to go. Um, yeah, once we got down there, grabbed me by the head, put a screwdriver to my um, throat. At that time, I thought it was a knife. That's what he said it was. Um, he goes, you know, give me the money, um, gave him the money, and, um, yeah, he, as, as he got out of the car, he goes to me, oh, you know, I'm sorry for doing this. Oh, that's all right, then. He, he said sorry, so that's... Yeah, it kind of makes it all right for it, but, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just... How much know, money How much money did he get away with? Well, he got away with about £80. Right, OK. And you, t- t- tell me how you felt, Madassi. You're in your car, your car, your workplace... Yeah. And suddenly you've got it's a screwdriver, which is bad. You think it's a knife at your throat. How did you feel then? Um, yeah, horrible. You know, it, it's, it's not something I can really describe. And you know, it's um, it's changed my life forever. Really, uh, you know, uh, the way I think of things, the way I do my work. You know, everything has just changed. Everything. How has it affected? How has it affected you at work? Well, I've I've cut down on the amount of hours I used to do. I've stopped working nights completely. Um, you know, uh, things like that. Really, I mean, um, it really affected me. I mean, the first week I, I took it off. Um, I, after that, you know, I did try to go back to weekend nights, but I'll I do crazy things like pick up cut and pasta on customers for the end. Um, 
you know, a uh, free cow on them, you know, thinking that they're going to do something to me and just park in the middle of the road, pretend to get out of the car, you know, and some crazy things like that. So, so you, you, I, you, you I, kick I people out of your cab for what, for no reason whatsoever? You just for kind no of panic? whatsoever. Yeah, just, just uh, panicking inside my own, you know, my own mind, you know, thinking that they're going to do something. So, it was things like that, so I just had to give it up, you know, you know stick to day shift and even still during the day shift, um, I'd still have my panic attacks. It was just, no, I'd just like to somehow control it. Um, how how long uh, ago did this happen, Madassa? Well, about three years ago. Three and you're still ago. getting panic attacks? Um, not as much as I used to. I had uh, a few counselling sessions which helped, yeah. but still, it's not, you know, it's never going to be the same, you know. I mean, before I had no, you know, uh, hesitation at all in my head, you know, to pick up a customer and, you know, um, think about whether if they're going to do something to me. Whereas now, you know, not constantly, but... Sometimes when you do pick up a passenger that doesn't, you know, fit the normal prescription, you just, you do think, um, you know, am I safe or am I not, so... You recently bought a cab with an assault screen. Does that make you feel any better? Slightly. I mean, to your truth, you know, if you really wanted to get at me, I'm sure you could, but, um, you know, um, it does make you feel slightly more secure, yeah. And has anything happened in, the, in those three years since the attack with the screwdriver? No, uh, no. Do you hear from your, your, your colleagues and other people in the, the firm and in the, the cab rank telling stories? That's right. I mean, I run the taxi association in St. Wilkins. Um, I, I constantly hear about you know, issues going on, um, you know, assaults and stuff like that. I mean, just recently we've had um, a, a Harpenden taxi driver at the station being assaulted. Um, we had last year, Christmas time, there was um, a taxi driver that got assaulted uh, just behind the city football grounds. So, you know, it happens on a regular basis, but uh, I think the majority of taxi drivers, unless the police or someone's um, been involved and know about it, mm. you, there's just no, no one's going to find out, you know. But that's a very quickly, have a listen, because we did ask uh, the police and the council to appear on the programme, but they were unavailable for interview. However, Hearts Police sent us a statement. Have a listen to this. Whilst we're aware of Mr Yassin's concerns, we only have finite resources and need to utilise them in the most effective way. It's important to note that whilst we do have teams in the city centre, we also have resources across the rest of the district on patrol. The district is one of the safest in the county and crime has fallen by over 17 percent assaults and other violent crimes have also drastically reduced what's your response to that um um the news really um see the thing is um the same city center in the last 10 years has has changed quite a lot it's quietened down compared to what it used to be Mm. so you know crime is going to go down in that sort of sense on the weekend nights but, um, I mean, to say that, you know, they've got people around the whole city, um, um, the whole of St. Albans, um, I'm not really sure about that. Because we've had drivers, you know, n- not um, more than a mile away from the city centre, you know, have had problems and, you know, had no help whatsoever. Mm. So, you know, a lot of taxi drivers out there are really, really feeling that they're on their own. But well, so thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you telling us your story. Well, Lewis Williams works for Three Star Cars in Bedford. It's a private hire firm. Morning, Lewis. Morning. You heard uh, Madassa's story there and, and, and telling some of the stories of the people he works with. Are you surprised by this? No, I think if you talk to any taxi driver in any town in the country, you'll find exactly the same kind of stories coming in. Um, and I think that this is one of the, the problems that the, 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 the public don't recognise, the, the, the difficulties we do have. Um, the reasons why, for example, sometimes on a long-distance fare, you'll ask for the fare in advance. And that's one of the reasons for it. It's not because of the good customers, it's because of the possible bad customers. 
Do you think people d- 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 fully appreciate what a difficult job it is you do? No, no. They, 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 there is, they, I mean, they just see the cabin, get, you know, that comes to pick them up and um, don't think of anything at all about the, the level of skills and, and uh, the, the fact that they're trying to get them home safely. You know, that um, the, the main problem, I think, is uh, education. Sometimes, actually, it's not just the drivers that need education, it's the customers that need education. Yeah, maybe. Do you think, I would imagine that private hire drivers are, are, are probably a bit more vulnerable, because they're, they're just like normal saloon cars, aren't they? There's no um, the, the assault screens or any kind of protection from the back, is there? No, that's correct. Uh, and, and, this is, and I think the other thing that you, you're talking about, the numbers of cases, and I think that that's the tip of the iceberg, because the majority of incidents won't be reported. I mean, the dr- one of the drivers earlier was saying about the fact that they, well, he waited 30, 45 minutes uh, for the police to arrive. And in, in one sense, yes, the police do have uh, finite resources. But it's one of the reasons why a driver will probably, if he gets a runner or a, a minor incident, will probably not even bother to uh, report it for the simple reason that he can't afford the time waiting for people to arrive. Lewis, I understand you want more me- more meetings with the police to raise awareness about driver safety, that, is that that's right? That's right, yes. I mean, we used to have uh, fairly regular meetings between the council, the police, uh, and the trade, and those were quite useful. And over the years, we've um, produced documents where it's given advice to drivers on, on how they can um, make their job a little bit safer. Um, and we haven't had one of those kind of uh, reminders for two or three years in Bedford. And I think that maybe it's now time that uh, the council and the police actually said, OK, fine, let's get another meeting with the trade um, and make sure that they're aware of what our problems are, but more important, we're aware of what your problems are, as in uh, uh, us drivers. Lewis, why is it only three-star cars? Why don't you call yourself five-star cars? <laughs> you could, I'm sure you could, you, you've awarded those yourself. Why don't you just say we're five-star cars? <laughs> I didn't choose the name, but it, uh-huh. it, sound, it sounds good at the time. <laughs> okay. You're worried that the band Five Star might see you. Lewis, thank you very much. Lewis Williams from Three Star Cars in Bedford. 08459 455 555. If you're going to call yourself a company, call yourself Five Star Cars. That's my little tip there for you. Yeah, you're telling me the best story ever, David Preva. a rude word, isn't it? I though? know it had a rude word, and I Can't just shouted, we're going on the air. It's about, let's drop some clues. It's about someone we both used to work with, neither of us like. Yeah, no, that's true, yeah. <laughs> horrible, horrible person. <laughs> we will discuss this later on. But we will. We will swap is that stories. a television shirt, by the way? It's, well... Uh, Looks yeah, like it is. It is a television shirt. It's not the normal shirt. rags you drag in here. I'm doing some... What is, what is, everyone's been saying I normally, oh, you look smart today. I always look smart. Yes, you I do. I always look smart. It's a white shirt, because I've got to do two days of filming, and it means I can swap. Are shirts. you on the Jeremy Carl show again? <laughs> Listen, until me and my mum find out who stole that money, and I prove it wasn't me, yeah. then we're going to keep going on that Good show. For you. What's happening on your show this well, morning? Well, you've been talking about um, racial uh, attacks on uh, taxi drivers this morning. Yes. Um, and this is a little bit tenuous, but it's, in- it's interesting nonetheless, and they sort of link together. Does the racial mix of your neighbourhood matter to you? Because mm. white Britons, whatever that means, and we'll tell you later, now a minority in three more UK towns and cities, according to research by the Manchester uh, uh, University of Manchester. The towns are Leicester, Slough and Luton. There we go, yes. There we are. So white Britons now, whatever that means, a minority in Luton. And we're asking, have you noticed this over the years? Um, what does it actually mean to your street, your town, your shops, your offices, mm. uh, and does it actually matter? Does the racial mix of your neighbourhood matter and make any difference to you as you go about your daily life? 
It'll be interesting. There'll be people who say that you're racist for talking about this. Yes, they will. There will be. No, it's of course. Fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's good. Thank you very much. Speak, uh, speak to you later on. Oh eight four five nine. Four double five five double five. Send me an email at the end of that story, please. Yeah, you should ban tall people from supermarkets oh, as well. Oh, for goodness' sakes! Ban don't everybody from don't, everywhere. Yes, I, I would actually. I don't like people or anything. <laughs> I don't like people or anything. That's the motto of this show. If you want to get in touch with, uh, see you later on, David. Have a good one. If you want to get in touch now, I suggest you send him an email. Uh, JVS Show at bbc.co.uk. Put in your phone number, your contact details, uh, and they might give you a call back. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee on BBC. Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire woman wants mobile phones to be banned from supermarkets after being injured. Debbie McArdle from Hemel Hempstead has been hurt twice because shoppers have been far too distracted. Our uh, reporter and buy one, get one free correspondent, Justin Daly, has been following the story. Good morning, Justin. Oh, bog off you. Bog <laughs> off. Well, hey, you like that one, didn't you? I did, yeah. I did like that one, actually. Yeah, yes. Interesting stuff. But what have you been up to? Well, I've been talking to Debbie. I spoke to Debbie yesterday. She's very, very angry about this. She wants something done. Let's take a listen to this. So, Debbie, you've been injured twice. Uh, tell us what happened to you. The first time whilst doing my shopping, um, a lady trying to just push past wasn't in control of the trolley she had the mobile phone in her ear and negotiating pushing the trolley around an aisle with one hand and she hit me in the back of the ankles i did tut and look around and i was met by a mouthful of abuse by that and i said to her you could at least said sorry second time it was in tesco's in drummond's park just entering the store just past the customer service desk a lady with a toddler and a mobile phone in her ear she didn't see me of course approach her from the back she turned round and whipped the basket round and it connected with my right cheekbone and how bad were those injuries uh, the painful one was actually the ankle area the cheekbone one my hand went up at the same time so it just slightly connected it could have been a lot worse i feel spade you're very angry you want to see mobile phones in supermarkets banned and you're not alone you've had a sneaky look at the accident books tell us more about that yeah i have one of the um customer service person that i spoke to her daughter was hit in the head somebody using the mobile phone that swung just the basket round basically and caught on the side of the head not concentrating what they're doing why they are shopping because they're so engrossed in the conversations basically they've got no concept of what's going on in their immediate area that's the problem what would you say to anybody listening to this who says oh come on debbie there's more important things to worry about than mobile phones in supermarkets we all have busy lives what's the problem Right, okay, this is a bit of a toughie because it feels like I'm sort of saying that you can't use your mobile phones. Just switch them off when you're doing your shopping because you really are not in control of a conversation and pushing a basket or what's in your immediate area. There's people getting hurt out there and I really hope it doesn't happen to you. She makes a good point. There's people getting hurt out there, Justin. Yeah, it's like yeah. Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, yesterday, when we heard about this, we thought, not sure. Yeah. But, you know, she does make the point well. And nearly everyone that I've spoken to, they agree with Debbie McArdle. They would like to see a ban on mobile phones in supermarkets because, like Debbie, they feel it's dangerous and it's annoying as well. Do you really want to hear what happened earlier on in the office? Oh, did that really happen? People are getting <laughs> fed up of it. And oh, here... Yeah. Is, is he really? Yeah. Oh, he <laughs> Yeah, does that, he? that really happened. Yes. So here are just some of those views. 
Madam, people on their mobile phones in this supermarket here, it really gets your goat, doesn't it? Tell us why. It does, because you're trying to do your shopping, you're trying to get to, your, you know, the shelves, and there they are. Oh, hello, where are you? I'm down the frozen food aisle. Oh, could you get me so-and-so? And then they start talking about whatever they were doing last night. No, I'm sorry, I suggest we ban them. Have you had a near miss where somebody's almost gone into you with their trolley because they're on their mobile phone without a care in the world? Yes, I probably have. I mean, I can't say for definite, but I'm almost sure I have because I've been my husband. It gets his back up as well. I would hate to be that person on my phone going into you with my trolley because you would have a right go, wouldn't you? I would, yes. <laughs> I'd say you've got nothing better to do. We're here to shop, not to stand on the phone. No, they shouldn't be banned. If you're sensible about it, you step to one side. Well, Laura, your shopping bags are just going into the back of a taxi yeah, right that's now. Fine. You were actually put into hospital because somebody yeah. went into you with their trolley because they were on a mobile on a phone. Mobile phone see. Tell us what happened. I just sweeped the trolley and put on the back of my leg, back of my knee. I had to be taken to the any, you know, because I was I couldn't walk. I mean, I'm already disabled because I can't walk properly, as you can see, I've got mm. my stick because I've got a bad back, but. It, it's just gone, you know, shouted at me and gone. So your message would be, for goodness sake, just take Get it easy because you've been into hospital. Or use your earpiece if you're going to walk and talk, you know. But uh, no, they don't. It's all this new touch thing. They're touching and talking, you know, and sending emails and everything else like that. And it's not right. If you never saw a mobile phone again, that wouldn't bother you, oh, would it? Oh, not the, the least, I tell you. Not the least. If I do make a phone call, I'll stop and go over, try and go over to one side. No, I that's the safest that. way, isn't it, really? Well, yeah, but, you know, yeah, well, it is, yeah, but then, you know, common sense has gone out the window now, hasn't it? <laughs> you do make me laugh. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I love your serious voice. Yes. Well, if I do make a phone call, I try and go over to the side. <laughs> well, that's the safest way, isn't it's, it? It's the safest way. <laughs> Come on, Ian. We, we are never going to see a ban on mobile phones in supermarkets, uh, realistically. I'm but when you think about it, you know, years ago, yeah. you, you could drive a car with a handheld mobile phone. You could do that. Yep. And then people suddenly thought, oh, hang on. Yep. It's dangerous. And people now, I think, are, are starting to wake up and say, in actual fact, if you're on a mobile phone, either talking to somebody, checking an email, if you have a trolley as well, and you go into somebody, there could be a nasty accident, as you heard there from Laura, who went to A&E because of her injury. I'm so disappointed that no shops have called in to, to back my campaign. They're probably doing it already. They're just being slightly secretive about it. There we go. J- Justin Dealey, excellent stuff as always. Thank you. We can talk now to Claire Rayner, who's a retail expert from Hertfordshire. Morning, Claire. Good morning. Oh, it's never going to happen, is it? Supermarkets are never going to ban mobile phones. I doubt it. You know, Alison's listening there. I think the thing that they need to do is make trolleys more drivable, because I've seen plenty of accidents from people who are driving them with two hands. Yes. And that's by the by. I wish, I wish they, I think just going off on a slight tangent, <laughs> one of my greatest pleasures as a young lad, and I get to see this now with my boys who are three and one, is sitting in the seat of the trolley as mum pushes you around. Why don't they make trolleys big enough that grown six foot three men can sit in them while their wives push them around? That would be <laughs> awesome! That is an innovation that's yet to be tried. But when it comes to the mobile use in yep. supermarkets, I think the thing that we've got to remember is it's about common sense, isn't it? Yep. You know, you, you don't drive your car in a dangerous fashion anymore. Try and be respectful of other people. But we need our mobiles because no. in the future we'll be getting deals posted to no. us. There's something called proximity marketing. You could be walking down the aisle next to the milk yeah. and ping, a voucher comes up. Oh. For you, Mrs Smith, it's buy one, get one free. Oh, on that sounds day. awful. <laughs> that's like a that's like it's a horrible vision of the future. And you say people... You can switch it off. It doesn't have to happen to you. But for those that want it, 
It's great. You say people, we, oh, people, we need to use our common sense. People don't have common sense, Claire. Only I well, have common sense, and I guess you probably have a little bit as well, but that's it. There is a certain epidemic of lack of common sense, but let's face it, if people want to use their mobile phone, they can. If mm. other people don't like it, they don't have to. But I don't think we can ban people from using it. it some people consider it a basic human right these days. Oh, dear. I am so close, Claire, and I'm, I'm working out the logistics of it. I'm so close, and I'll tell you this, Laura, my producer, of go- trying to go for a week without a mobile phone. I'm really close to it. I'm just working out, well, what happens if one of the boys gets sick or something happens to my mum or something. But I'm, I'm kind of toying with it. That's a little project that we could possibly do. Uh, yeah, I know, look, Laura's my producer. Going, oh, I love it. Do it. Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. But th- th- do you not find, Claire, that they're just so invasive? And when you... But we, we had a, a cashier on earlier, uh, earlier on who says that, that customers go up to her till. They don't even look at her. They're talking on the phone. That's rude, isn't it? It is, but equally, I've been up to Tills in shops where the cashier has been tapping away at a phone and hasn't looked yes. at me. So I think yeah. it doesn't come back to the phone. The phone is not the evil thing. It's the way that we're behaving as people, the way that we're using them, and the way that perhaps it's affecting our manners and our consideration of others. Mm. That's what needs to change. We can't ban things that cause bad manners, because the next thing that comes along that causes it, we'll be banning that too. And actually, let's just address the fact that we need to respect each other. What a, ni- what a nice positive message to end on, Claire. Yes, we do. We all- Come on, if you were here now, I'd give you a hug. <laughs> well, thank you very much. There you go. Claire Rayner, uh, retail expert. Thank you very much uh, indeed. I, 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 I've been thinking about it for a while, and I've not wanted to mention it, because I know that you'd get dead excited about it. I have been thinking about just getting rid of my mobile phone for a week. I'm using it less and less at the moment and loving it because of it. Uh, and at home, I have it turned off quite a lot at home. I, I just need to get round my head around what would happen... If one of my boys got sick or a member of my family got ill, which was, uh, has actually happened in the last couple of days, and I wouldn't have had my phone. But I'm really tempted. I need to discuss the ramifications with my missus and see what she says. I need to get the thumbs up from Mrs. Lee uh, and, and see what she says. But yes, it, it, it may happen. Maybe we'll do it. As a, I tell you what, maybe in February we'll look into doing it. And maybe you can, you can join me as well, dear listener. Maybe we'll have a little campaign. Let's, let's see. Have I just committed myself to something I don't really want to get involved with? I think I may have done. Oh, dear. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 Lots coming up, including you may not want to become a councillor because you don't get enough money. Well, a committee of MPs thinks Lope is putting you off. We'll hear from a woman in her 20s about why she decided to become a councillor in Milton Keynes. Now, we've been talking about banning mobile phones from supermarkets. I think it's the best idea. By the way, we found the florists in Tring that's banned mobile phones. They are doing a funeral this morning, so it, it was inappropriate for them to come on. Just so as you know, we found them, and maybe we'll speak to them at a later date. Uh, Brian is in Letchworth. Morning, Brian. Morning, Ian. What do you, do, are you backing my campaign to b- ban mobile phones in supermarkets? One hundred percent. Yes. Just, be- just before Christmas, I was in a supermarket in Old Town Stevenage, yep. and there was a chap babbling his head off in, in, into his phone. Oh hi, I'm just by the, the chickens, which sort. St- step backwards. 
Mm. Knocked me off my feet, head first into another chiller. I, and and I, sh- I should add, I have an artificial knee because I've got you? I've got chronic arthritis. Ouch. In the in the ensuing sort of noise I made as I sort of hit the chiller and rolled on the floor, Ooh. he looked at me as, as if it was my fault for being in his wa- in his way. Can I can I just because Brian, the image I've got in my head yeah. is of you falling head first into a freezer with your legs sticking out and waggling about. That didn't happen, did uh, it? No, that's I, a shame. I, I, I sort of rolled sideways, uh, landed on the bacon joints, and then slid gracefully to the floor. But the bacon joints, is that a euphemism? Uh, no. It was actually bacon joints. It, okay. it, was, it, was, actually, it was actually large gammon hams, because it was just <laughs> before Christmas, and I sort of, he sort of mm. knocked me into those, and I rolled sideways, and <laughs> my ha- uh, I must have my rather dirty hands at the time, yeah. sort of slid across the, t- across the top of them. It looked to me as if it was my fault for being in his way. So, Brian, you fell, you fell on your gammon hams. That's never, never a pleasant <laughs> no. thing. And so he get, what, did, did he say anything to you? No, he just sort of... Oh, as if it was my fault for being in his way. And before I could, uh, uh, an- another shopper came and helped me out and uh, helped, literally p- pulled me out. And two other chaps oh, basically dear. threatened to get hold of his phone and do something rather unmentionable and to Stick it up his gum and hams. Not uh, off. And, uh, d- 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 so you would like to see uh, mobile phones banned in supermarkets? Couldn't agree more. Brian, stay there. Yeah. Gavin disagrees. Gavin? Well, I, I can't believe having this conversation. Go on. You know, this is this is what the West has become. You know, wars are fought in Africa for us to use our, you know, for minerals to build our mobile phones. And here we are talking about whether mobile phones should be actually banned in supermarkets, where 99% of the world, you know, you know, you know, so many people don't even get the luxury of going into a supermarket. Right. I can't even believe we're actually sparing the airtime or our lives to discuss this. It's disgust me that we're even having this, this conversation. Well, a lot so, of people uh, are trying to use these as a new type of security blanket. You, you uh, see, a lot of people don't even, you know, have a mobile phone. We, we lived for years without them. I, I don't. I, I have a very old one with an aerial that sits in my car glove box just in case the car breaks down. Banning something else, you know what I mean? A little while ago, we had a discussion about banning smoking in public places. It's just one more ban after another. Ban, 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 ban. I'm sick to death of hearing about bans. You know, there is some people who basically have to do certain things, you know, they will get calls in supermarkets. It can't be helped. Yes, a lot of people should be more appreciative and more aware of people around them. But to talk about banning mobile phones and people are losing their bloody, excuse my French, their, their houses in Australia due to bushfires. You know, 20 people died in an awful shooting in America. And in this country, here we are talking about banning... Well, when you suffer from arthritis and don't, don't get around so well as, as you probably do now, then you'll realise my predicament. Till then, please don't bleat about, about things you know nothing about. Uh, having a, a constant pain so bad that that at times you can't get you can't get out of the house. Fortunately, my knee replacement was successful. I can get about now. Sympathetic for that, and I'm truly sympathetic. But basically, unfortunately, sir, with the greatest possible respect, you are an extreme minority of people who need to use their mobile phones at all times, including supermarkets. And I do a wholeheartedly appreciate everything you said about the medical problems, but. But unfortunately, as I say, that is a rarity. People do need to be more sympathetic to shoppers in supermarkets, but to ban them is unbelievably draconian. 
And that's all I've got to say. Thank you very much. We'll leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you. There was a Category E swear word in there. Apologies if anybody was offended. I know we have young ears. I'm sure you weren't. We, we've heard much worse than that. That was uh, Brian in Letchworth uh, and Gavin in Bedford. Both very, very passionate about it. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. That was my favourite bit of the show, by the way. I love it when people phone up phone-ins and say, it's a, I can't believe we're even having this conversation. It's a waste of time. It's a ridiculous waste of airtime. But yet they're contributing to that ridiculous waste of airtime. Gentlemen, that was superb. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I hope you did as well. Thank you very much indeed. Now, should councillors get more money in their allowances? A government report today reveals difficulties attracting potential politicians who are younger, women, and from ethnic minorities. And a lack of cash is one of the reasons. They should also be more involved with the front line of their communities. Alice Bramall is 23 and became a councillor for Milton Keynes Council in last year's... Excuse me, hiccups. I've got hiccups on the radio. How rude. Became a councillor for Milton Keynes Council in last year's elections. Good morning, Alice. Good morning, I, Ian. I will try and fade my microphone out every time I have a hiccup. I can only apologise. It's very <laughs> rude. Uh, 23, very young to become a councillor. Why did you decide to do it? Um, well, I actually work... F- for Mark Lancaster, the local MP, um, as his researcher. Um, And I think from that I learnt quite a lot about Milton Keynes, a lot more than I did from just living here. Um, I love the city. It's a brilliant place. um, And it has a genuinely fantastic future. And I think um, because I was young and um, the city's young, I really wanted to become involved. And I thought becoming a councillor was the way to do it. What do you enjoy about your job? Um... I suppose it's actually being able to represent people's views on the issues that matter to them. Um, I love the ward I represent, Walton Park, um, and, you know, you get there's so many different areas that you have to deal with. You get casework, so people contacting you with problems that they have, um, and you have to try and um, solve their problems, I suppose, or at least put them in touch with the people that can um and also being able to feed into um important matters with regards to the city um and it's a really interesting time to be involved in local government there are concerns uh, that there are not enough women or ethnic minority candidates coming forward why do you think people might be being put off I think it's a really difficult job, actually. Um, There's little understanding as to what it is that a councillor does. Um, There is... um, There's a confusion as to how to get involved. Um, A lot of people don't know how to engage with a local political party. Um, They don't necessarily want to be involved in a political party. There's also quite a lot of political apathy as well. Um... I don't necessarily think that reflects um, about how active a community you have, um, but perhaps people are put off by it. I'm going to ask you a question, and it's going to sound really patronising, and I'm sorry in advance, because I've been trying to think of a way of, of making <laughs> sure. this not sound patronising, and there are at least two massively patronising points in it, OK? The first yep. one being is, you'll understand this question better when you're 39, which is the age I am. That already sounds patronising, I'm sorry. That's all right. But it, I am 39, <laughs> and if I came and saw you as a councillor, you're 23... A significant part of me would think, well, she's got no life experience. How, how can a 23-year-old understand my problems and help me? What I would your response to that be? I'm sorry for it being patronising. Um, and I think it's one which I'd try and combat with a level of understanding. And I'm also very aware that 
I have to listen and therefore um, and discuss with other people how it is that I solve the problems. I don't know everything. No one knows everything. Um, I tell you, I'm learning very quickly in the role. Um, but that's sort of how I try and combat it. Excellent answer, Alice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, would you, uh, what, what, people said that the allowance perhaps should be more. What's your allowance? And do, do you agree that it should be increased? It's just under um, £10,000. Um, and principally, no, I don't think it should be increased, right. um, which is why I voted for a 0% increase at last night's council meeting, which finished sort of around 11 o'clock. So forgive me if I'm a bit jaded this morning. Um, when I decided to stand to become a councillor um i didn't even realize there was an allowance um i thought it's a voluntary role and it is a vocation i suppose um i genuinely love the place i represent and i just wanted to help the people who live there um and i think that actually breeds quite a good um sort of councillor and it means that you're doing it for the community and not for the money now alice you work for an mp you did a politics degree now you're a councillor are, are, are you going to run for parliament eventually is that the plan gosh <laughs> funny enough you're not the first person to ask um I think if only my degree had prepared me for practical politics, I would probably be in, in better stead. Um, but no, um, I don't at the moment have any intentions. Never say never, because you don't know what will happen in the future. Um, but I really enjoy local government because it's all about service deliverance. Um, and um, I, I hope that I can continue to help the people of Milton Keynes for as long as possible. Do you have a Do you have a life, Alice? What do you do in your spare time, or is it all taken up with with this kind of stuff? Well, I hope I have a life. <laughs> um, no, I still find time to go out on a Saturday night. Um, I enjoy the theatre, um, so I like to go down to London, see my friends in London as well. What was the, la- what was the last play you saw, Alice? Oh goodness, it was. Um, the I think it was called the Mag- the majest the the magistrate I beg your pardon at oh. the National Theatre just oh. before Christmas. Fantastic, very very cl- very classy. Alice Bramwell, thank you very much indeed. Alice Bramwell, twenty three, councillor for Milton Keynes Council in last year's elections. Good for you. Well done. Um, I know at twenty three I was nowhere near. Well, she sounds sensible. I was I was an idiot at twenty three. What was I doing? Uh, I'd left college. I was signing on. I was getting up to mischief. That's what I was doing at 23. I was getting up to mischief and was quite good at it. We've been talking about housing all this week and the pressures on councils in beds, hearts and bucks to provide homes for everyone who needs them. One of the solutions is to bring empty homes back into use. A house in Lindslade, which had stood empty for 13 years, has now got new owners. Christine and Jeff Harrison were able to use an empty homes loan from Central Bedfordshire Council to restore it. It's the first time the council have issued a loan for a privately owned home. Well, we sent our reporter Tony Fisher to visit the house and he spoke to Christine, who'd lived next door to the empty property for many years. We'd lived next door and we watched it going down and down and down. The garden had become overgrown, the windows were being smashed, it had been broken into, the windows were boarded up and it was just so sad. It was, it was once a loved house, it had a beautiful garden and, and it had all gone to rack and ruin and we always thought, wouldn't it be fa- fabulous if we could buy that house? And then when you moved in, what sort of problems did you encounter? Because a house that's been standing 
with no one in it for 13 years, a lot of problems, I imagine. More problems than we envisaged. When we bought the house, it, it came with all of the old ladies' um, belongings in there. So actually, when you walked in, there was furniture in the rooms and beds everywhere, and it looked like you could just move in. However, when we actually came in and we turned on the water at the mains, we had Niagara Falls through all of the walls and ceilings where all of the taps and pipes burst. Um, we discovered that all of the electrics were completely kaput. They'd been chewed by squirrels um, in the attic, and so we couldn't use any of the electrics. The gas was unsafe, so all of that gas had to be turned off. So we actually had a much bigger problem than we envisaged when we bought the house. Well, in the whole of central Bedfordshire, there are close to 2,000 empty homes, and of those, nearly 100 have been vacant for more than six months. We can talk now to the councillor responsible for housing in central Bedfordshire, Carol Hegley. Morning, Carol. Good morning. Why did you decide to bring in this system? of grants um well we have had an initiative i've got to say since 2010 we've got an empty home strategy um and that has been progressing and we bid for some hca funding from the government the homes and communities agency um and we were successful in getting some more money so we can do more um you know it's something that all our communities can identify with you know there's probably empty homes in all of our areas you know that do blight the community and we do want to do something why should we build more houses when we've got 2,000 sitting empty well how big a problem is it with these empty homes well if you take it that within central beds we've got about um, uh, say 125,000 houses um, we're talking about 2,000 empty homes probably half of those are what we call long-term Um, empty homes so you know like you said more than six months more than 12 months Mm. but that has been steadily improving over the last two three years it's come down from about by about 500 so obviously that you know it's not as bad or you know in some areas they've got six seven thousand homes Um, we're in a comparator group with nine other local authorities um, some of them have got say under a thousand and others have got six or seven thousand but it depends on the size of their their households you know why are these i've been scratching my head all morning trying to work this out why are so, uh, these houses empty various reasons um i mean obviously you, you know we're all well aware that sometimes there's issues to do with probate mm. you get family disputes so this is when someone dies and it's not quite clear who then gets ownership of the house afterwards. Yes, that's right. Or maybe it's owned by a landlord or a, um, an owner that's not even in the country. Mm. Um, you know, there's lots of legal entanglement with it as well, trying to trace down the, the owners sometimes. So, um, you know, it, it, can be a, it can be a problem. But the, the, the council do have different powers. Obviously, part of it with the, the finances to offer an incentive to landlords and owners... Um, but the other one is obviously enforcement. So um, if, if we can't get a result and it's a, a so, sort of a case of apathy with people, they don't want to do anything, uh, we do have enforcement powers. So we'll take out empty management orders, empty dwelling man- management orders, um, or we've even got compulsory purchase orders. And from April, there's a proposal on the table now to withdraw discounts. So where there have been empty homes in the past, um, the council is now looking and will hopefully ratify this in, on 24th of January. We will withdraw discounts for empty homes. So everybody who owns an empty home will have to pay the full council tax. In the, just going off on a slight tangent, in the coalition's programme update, they're saying that the green belt is being maintained, but you say you're going to build on the green belt. H- how does that work? Um, well... <sighs> 
Obviously, if you're talking about um, the, the current sort of growth proposals, then there are some areas that, that touch on the green belt. But as we know at the moment, you know, they are growth proposals. Um, and, you know, I, I, that's why I'm so sensitive to the fact that we should be using empty homes rather than building extra. With 2,000 empty homes yeah. is a lot. So, is it, so the green, but you are going to build on the green belt, which, which does go against, against the coalition programme update. Uh, I think it touches on the green belt in some areas, but we're not talking about occupying swathes of green belt here at all. Um, so, you know, it, it's um, urban expansions, that type of thing. So, you know, it's not all just, you know, mass building across our green countryside. How, how much of the green belt is going to be used? Um, I, I couldn't honestly give you that answer um, offhand as, as a percentage or, a, a, you know... A, a geographical area because it does seem it does seem slightly contradictory doesn't it the, the coalition say green belt safe not going to touch that and then you're going well actually we're, we're, we're going to touch it uh well as i said it's it's you know it's not mass growth in the green belt at all um and if you want the exact details then obviously i'd have to come back and revisit that because it's not my particular okay. specialist area maybe we can have a chat next week about that if, if that's okay carol yeah sure That'd yeah be lovely. get some more detail brilliant thank you very much for your time that's carol Hegley. she's the councillor responsible for housing in central bedfordshire i'm surprised there are so many empty homes it does strike me as odd, you know, that, that they get kind of caught up in in probate and wills and legal wranglings Oh well, now uh, we're going from. Uh, oh, let's have a quick look at these. We've got some um, some messages, haven't we? Some texts, uh, some Facebook messages. Facebook.com forward slash BBC Three CR. You can go there any time of the day. Uh, talking about mobile phones, banning them in shops. Simon, also the, you've got off on tangents, and I like it when you do that. You've talked about other things that annoy you in supermarkets. Simon says, ban the leaners, those who slump over their trolleys, not looking where they're going, bumping into people. Uh, Matt says, if you, if you went by the logic of someone who's been injured, let's ban it, we'd not have cars, planes or anything. Jane says, what really annoys me is when you queue up for ten minutes, they open another till and people dri- dive straight to the new till regardless of other people. Plain rude. Uh, ben is from Wickham. Morning, Ben. Good morning to you. What, what annoys you in supermarkets? People who carry shopping baskets in the crook of their arm instead of hanging them by the side hand held as they're supposed to be. So they just swing around in service, whatever they move, the basket moves. Now, Ben, I have to say, you're you're an evil genius, because I, now you've said that, I know exactly what you're talking about. May I, may I push you? It's, uh, I've never seen a gentleman holding a basket by the crook of his arm. No, I don't... I can't recall that. They are usually women. It increases their width by about 50%. But I lost a pair of glasses um, in a supermarket one day where a woman swung around, and I was just getting up from picking something off the lower shelf, and they disappeared under the fixture. I got them back, but they were broken. By that time, she'd gone halfway to the checkout. And the other thing, but then talking about men, they don't get away with it completely. Mm. In very crowded areas, men who wear haversacks on their back. Haversacks? Haversacks on their back. So, two straps, big sack on the back. And they go around in, in tube stay, uh, tube trains in crowded places. They're totally oblivious to having a lump on their back about two foot six round and banging people in the air with them. Ben, you're my favourite call I've ever spoken to. 
<laughs> you are, because I, com- I completely agree. Your story is so full of colour and, uh, and character, and I completely agree to agree with you. Men with haversacks and women holding shopping baskets by the crook of their arms. I'm only moving on just because I want to squeeze Glenn in before before we finish. But thank you, Ben. Ben, what a what marvellous image of his glasses going flying. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn what, what have you called him for? Well, I was re- listening to the the two gentlemen earlier on. Uh, about the supermarket telephones. Yes. But I've got one worse than that. Go on. Is when you're sat in a restaurant oh. and the phone rings. Oh, no. And then they start talking about where they've been or oh. where they're going and did you go here and did you go there? And that irritates me. Oh, the, oh, also, I've heard them do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a Chinese. Oh, I'm having the chicken. Oh, yeah, it's yep. very nice. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, listen, w- w- meal times, Glenn. The phones are switched off at meal times. Will be in the house or in the restaurant. You're right. You don't do that. Well, some inconsiderate people do. Don't don't they just? Have you ever spoken yep. to anyone about? Have you ever looked at them and said, "Excuse me, could you? I'm trying to eat here. Could you turn that off?" Well, no, I haven't. But what I have done is I've actually requested to be moved from the woman that ar- irritating laugh in a, in a nice posh restaurant. And, and did your wife mind? I'm joking, Glenn. I'm sure your wife has a gorgeous laugh. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Ben, for telling us the story of how your glasses were knocked off. And, uh... <laughs> and for saying the word haversack, I've not heard the word... It means rucksack, kids. It means a rucksack. Or a backpack. But he said haversack. Well done, him. <laughs> yes, how retro. You're right. Oh, I enjoyed that a lot. What fun. That's it. Disappointed that no companies got on board my campaign to ban mobile phones in their shops. Shame on you. You'll regret it. I'm back tomorrow at six. David Prever is up next. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. This is David Preeran for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's the JBS Show.